Welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. The podcast that answers your questions about arcade repair and restoration. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. My name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how you doing? I'm strong like Donkey Kong. <laughs> That's right. For those of you who can't see Tim, he's actually wearing his strong like Donkey Kong t-shirt. And Tim, I tell you what, I bet things have been busy at Chuck E. Cheese. It seems like we haven't had hardly any time to get together to record one of these because of all of the changes that have been going on. So what's all going on with your day job? Chucky is getting a new facelift. Uh-huh. Uh, they had some animators come in and... Uh, I don't know, I call him Chuck-a-Tooie because he kind of looks like <laughs> rat- Ratatouille. But uh, anyway, he's getting a new look and a lot of promotion going with that. And, of course, that we had some staff changes and things. So just been putting in a lot of hours in summertime. Yep. So we've been pretty busy. Sounds good. Well, Tim, uh, last time that we had a podcast, it's been a while. I know everybody's wondering where we've been. Well, we kind of took a little bit of a summer break. And for those of you who don't know, when we come back from Texas Pinball Festival, we're kind of burned out, right, Tim? Because we've been basically playing games all that weekend, and we kind of always like to take a break after that, it seems like. Well, you took a pretty big break because you moved. That's right. We're actually recording (laughs) in my new house, so there is a little bit of an echo in here, and it'll probably come out a little bit, but that's okay. And yeah, so I moved. I've got the game room. And in fact, Tim, two of the videos that we shot, we've already shot in my new game room. So we'll get around to that here in just a second. But Tim, we actually did release some videos between our last podcast and this one. We released three of them. One on checking potentiometers with a multimeter. Another one on drilling holes in plexiglass. And then another one on troubleshooting games that are playing blind. Now, Tim, are there anything about these videos in particular that you would like to point out? Or maybe perhaps something that you should point out to help our audience out? Yeah, well... The check-in potentiometers with the multimeter will help a lot of people who are having sound issues. Yes. A lot of times uh, they'll want to know that. Then uh, the drilling holes in plexiglass is just kind of like a FYI or how I do it. It's strange that it just seems like something maybe a lot of people would know. But for the longest time, uh, we didn't use a step drill, right. which is what we show how to use in there. Correct. Once I learned how to use one, where somebody would have told me a long time ago, it really does make it easier and keep you from cracking it. So I know some of the guys out there are real cosmetically inclined. They like to you know, make everything look neat and cover it up with plexiglass and stuff. Right. But the last video that we shot, I think will help the most of everything is the troubleshooting a monitor is playing blind and what's cool about that video we actually didn't intend to shoot as long as we did what happened was just about everything that could go wrong with one was wrong with the monitor that we were fixing that's right so that made it fun because of the fact that um you know it could have been this it could have been that it was we literally showed just about every scenario right and we threw in a little humor and stuff so it was a fun video to shoot it really was, and there's going to be a lot more content on the DVD once DVD Volume 4 comes out. Tim, I think we mentioned this in our last podcast, that some of our videos are getting an extended cut treatment where we're actually going to add some footage in that you don't see on the internet video. And so right. if you guys buy our Volume 4 DVD, you guys might get to see a little bit longer video version of that that will have some more information for you, yeah, for those of you who aren't familiar. We skip a lot of steps that the average, if you've been working on games, you might not need, but if you're a newbie, uh, that's one reason why we want to encourage you to watch the video, to buy our videos. P- 
people are always asking us how they can contribute or help out. Buying our videos really helps. Think of it this way, too. You don't want to think this way, and it may be a few years, but the Internet or YouTube may not be around forever. It's true. And if it ever goes away and you have it on video, you could still watch, or if our site gets shut down or whatever, you never the know. The apocalypse happens. That is true. You can, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, run from the zombies and uh, <laughs> watch our videos. Watch our videos you in your cave. You would think that at least our videos would give you some good advice on how to solder, which might come in handy in a zombie apocalypse. It could, That's it all could, I'm saying. It could happen. It could happen. So, <laughs> so. be prepared. <laughs> That's right. So, again, like Tim said, we appreciate everybody who's bought our DVDs. And if you haven't, you might want to consider it. There's good information on there. There's exclusive information only found on the DVDs. And it's always a good way to support us as well. So, again... Not to mention the blooper reel. That's right. The blooper reel is always <laughs> funny, too. But we also want to thank everybody who's bought DVDs since our last podcast. And we've had quite a few people, not just here in the United States, but also overseas, who have bought videos in the last two months, three months, however long it's been since we've been off air. So we want to thank everybody who's bought videos in that time. So, And, Tim, we actually have two videos that are coming up pretty soon. We have one on opening a cocktail cabinet and one on wiring a cabinet using the JAMA standard. Now, these two were both filmed in my new game room, so you guys will get to see kind of, you know, just some random shots of that. But we actually ended up putting together a 61 out of an old cocktail cabinet that I had lying around once we moved it over here. And that's where the majority of the content came from for these videos. And they're really good. There will be an extended cut of wiring a cabinet using the JAMA standard on the DVD Volume 4 as well. So what you see on the web is not necessarily the video you're going to get on the DVD. But those are pretty good videos. I mean, Tim obviously hosts them both and shows you what to do. Anything you want to say about the videos before we end up posting them? They should be out within the next uh, couple weeks. Again, if you're a newbie, you know, some of the veterans out there listening and, and... We know those guys are. We've got some real loyal listeners. You know, a lot of people just don't know what to do with a cocktail. It, right. it looks cool, and we explain a lot about opening up and how to work on it and how to safely do things with it. And uh, so, I think that if you're unfamiliar with a cocktail style, even you know, I remember when we first started collecting arcade games years and years and years ago. Uh, we didn't have a cocktail for a pretty good while, and finally we got one. It, it's a little different animal. Oh, yeah. And so we show how to work on it. But then, of course, the JAMA standard, we've already touched on that a couple times. But it's like you just can't stress it enough. Right. You need to get really sharp on watching those things. And sometimes you'll learn or pick up something or we'll discuss something maybe we had in previous videos. And I think the biggest difference between this JAMA video and the other JAMA videos is the fact that we actually take a jam wiring harness and hook it up to everywhere it needs to be hooked up to. Right. And that's the difference. Yeah, so, it's kind of a, a detailed video. I know if they if they buy the DVD, they're really going to get some details yeah. on there and stuff on how we do it. I mean, just we pretty much take a solid empty cabinet and wire it up and then play, some, play a game afterwards. That's right. So you guys be on the lookout for those two videos. They'll be coming very soon. Okay, Tim. Well, let's go ahead and get started into the podcast. Let's start with our updates from our previous shows. And the first one we have is from Steve. And this is him talking about his Gauntlet Legends that had some focus issues. 
And he says, guys, you helped me out a bit through email about a month or so ago with my Gauntlet Legends cab. In summary, after replacing a flyback on a WG K7501 to correct the focus problem, I'm getting a dark vertical line about three inches wide down the entire left side of the monitor along the border. Turning up the brightness on the flyback shows video is there, but way darker than the rest of the picture. I've replaced the flyback to ensure I didn't get a bad one. I've also done a cab kit, but I still get the black line. After watching some more of your videos, I grounded the RGB pins on the neck board to verify the CRT. When I do this, the dark section is still there. By grounding the pin, shouldn't the entire monitor show the color? If so, does this indicate that my CRT is shot and the problem is not in the chassis? Any suggestions where to go from here? Thanks for all your help so far. You guys are great. Steve. So, Tim, we have Steve here. Right. And we helped him out with his focus issue. It sounds like he replaced his flyback and everything was pretty good, except for the fact that he's got this really dark side of his monitor on the left. It's just, like like you said, about three inch wide down the entire left side of the monitor. Right. He's getting a dark vertical line, almost. And, and this sounds almost... He doesn't sound like a cap it, kit. Uh, you know, we've seen dark spots. Yeah. You know, well, we've he, seen dark spots on that side, but I don't know about, like, an entire vertical three-inch line. Right. What's strange is... He had a focus issue. Right. So I'm wondering, did this happen, show up after he replaced the flyback? Because you notice he gets another flyback. Right. Or was it like that with a focus issue and this flyback, he was attempting to replace them both. First of all, probably not a flyback issue at all. Right. Generally, when you see a stripe or dark areas, that generally is a capacitor. Right. So, you know, even though he did a cap kit on it, he might go back and recheck that he didn't put one in there backwards. Right. You know, you just sometimes, I think we have another question about this. Some of the B-plus caps are not in the cap kit. Some, You know, when we go to do a cap kit, I would check some of those. But more than, it just really, I, I'm drawing back to the capacitor, but I'm really curious as if it happened before, because why would he replace the flyback again? Like right. it, Like the flyback replacement cause the issue now you see and that's what it sounds like to me too tim and that's what makes me think that maybe he i mean he could have a bad flyback or maybe he missed one of the sour points yeah on i the would tend to think that uh either that or if you'll notice guys um maybe if he could pull up on the internet get some close-up pictures of the back side of a chassis um i have done this very similar uh i've had a very similar mistake before where some of the flyback pins are actually soldered to get or bridged together right and then when i go to take it off i'm like uh oh were they bridged or not bridged yeah that's a very good point. and i think that it could be an issue like that so and for what i'm talking about guys is when you flip it over you know you see the solder pins some of them are touching right and they're meant to and if they're not meant to, you don't want them to. So could be that he's got some either touching that's not supposed to, or it could be that he has some that are supposed to be that aren't. So if the problem happened after the flyback, you know, we always, the first time when somebody, especially like at work, when they come to me and they say, hey, we got a problem with this game, you know, I want as much background information. At what point did the problem happen? Right. You know, or, or I like it when a guy says, you know, I just replaced the ticket, Mac, and now it's doing this. Well, let's go back and see what you did. Because it's real easy. It's stuff I mistake on all the time. Right. That's why I know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, I always tell people, I might not know everything 
to do, but I can usually tell you what not to do because I've done it, guys, before. <laughs> so uh, try that. Let's go back and look at that and uh, email us and let us know. Let's keep back in touch. I really want to know if it happened before or after that flyback. Sounds What's good. Place? Sounds good, Tim. So, Steve, hopefully that answers your question. Like Tim says, a lot of it depends on what happened with that flyback. You know, was this occurring before the flyback replacement, or did it only occur after? And like Tim said, might want to check to see if any of those pins are supposed to be bridged. That could also be leading to your issue. And, of course, double-check your cap kit, make sure everything's good there. So, hopefully, between those three things, we can get your monitor back up and running and let us know any progress that you have on it from this point. Okay, Tim, well, that was our one website update from last time, from our previous shows. So let's go ahead and move on to our website questions. And the first one we have is from Cam. And Cam says, We just bought an older Big Buck Hunter II Sportsman's Paradise and replaced the gun. The calibration on the gun works, but it doesn't seem to work on the border regions of the screen. We have tried adjusting the monitor to make it bigger and smaller, along with the focus and brightness, but it's still not working. What do you suggest we try next? Thanks, Cam. So, Tim, we have Big Buck Hunter here. This is a, obviously a gun game. Uh, usually has a pump-action shotgun, I believe, right. that it has. A little a shotgun light gun, we should say. And it sounds like it works in the center, but it's not working on the edges of the screen. They say they've tried the brightness. They say they've tried the focus. They said they've tried the um, the horizontal vertical size. What exactly could be going on with Cam's monitor? Well, it actually seems to be a very common problem with gun shooting games. Yes. And nine out of ten times it steals a gun. Yep. I notice he says that he replaced the gun. Did he replace it with a brand new gun? Right. Or one he bought off eBay? Sure. Because I, I would sell one tested working that didn't shoot very good in the corner, maybe, you know, and, and or not even realize that. Here's what I, a couple things I'm going to, that's one question I'd like to ask. I want to know about that gun. Brand new? Or not, well, here's the deal. It's almost always a gun issue, but there's a couple things you can check. On the end of your gun is a lens. Right. And if that lens has any kind of dirt or anything, that will affect. So you need to clean the lens very good. Under it, if you take your gun apart, there is a little circuit board with a little opto on the end. You can touch up the solder on the back of that opto, or you can just replace the opto. Or you can buy just that circuit board from HAP. It's not too expensive. But, man, it's almost all... If your monitor looks bright and pretty and you don't have discoloration on your monitor... Also, keep in mind that these are light optics, right? Right. right. So, where is your game? Is it near a window or a light in your house? Is there a big fluorescent light over? Yeah, a big fluorescent light over or something that could affect that. Sometimes I have seen that happen, too. Uh, You might try it with the lights off or something and see if that helps. It it can get really tricky and just seems like those... I've had brand new guns bought from Half Controls and I just finally gave up. I just would not shoot in that corner. Right. And I tried to fix the monitor. I tried to adjust it, turning up the brightness and that kind of stuff like he did. He, He sounds like he knew a little bit and what he did was very good. Right. I still go back to the gun and I would uh, really encourage him to look into those things. Yeah. Now, Tim, we should say that pe- you know, these kind of light guns are we're kind of moving away from because CRTs are going out of style. Right. And so they're moving to more of either like the potentiometer base, like what you'd see in an Aliens Resurrection or a Terminator Salvation where right. you know it's got the potentiometer that tells it the direction or or something that has more of a motion sensor, motion detect type gun. So this kind of technology is kind of older in itself, but should still work fine. And I'm with Tim here, you know, check to see the placement of your game does make a lot of difference. Clean your optos, maybe replace the little optos sensor in there if you need to. Those are always things that 
we're going to recommend. And sometimes you need to turn your brightness up past the point of it being comfortable. Right. I guess it's a good way to say it. I don't know if that's the best way, but past it, the point of it looking good. Right. And if you're having to do that, it may be time to either update your monitor or repair or do a cap kit or something to make it a little bright, brighter. HAP also sells a video brightener. But, boy, we have had those games before where literally, like you said, you get past that uncomfortable, and then it just doesn't become as fun. It looks horrible, and by that time, uh, a new gun, I'm really curious, you know, replace the gun, was it new or eBay bought? Remember that a lot of those tested working guns on eBay, that's what's happened. They work pretty good most of the time, and some people don't even care, but... You shoot in a gun game, you want to be able to shoot the deer in the corners and the way in the back, not <laughs> right. not just right in the front. So definitely a good question, though. I I really appreciate it, Cam. Okay, so Cam, hopefully that answers your question. Try some of the things that we talked about here, and hopefully you can get your big buck hunter two up and running in no time. Okay, Tim, let's move to Evan. Nevin says, I have an old arcade that I'm trying to revive. It's a Warp Warp by Rockola. It seems to work. The screen turns on and there's some sound, but it says RAM 2 era at startup. Does anyone know what this means or how to go about fixing it? Mm -hmm. Okay, Tim, so we have Evan here. He's got a Warp Warp. Warp and Warp, I should say. And it's by Rockola, a very old game, yeah, as you mentioned. And uh, kind of rare. I don't. I haven't seen many of them. Let's no. just put it like that. I haven't seen many of them. And it's having a RAM 2 error. Well, what does this mean, Tim? It's really cool that it tells you right. that you're having a RAM error. You're, you're basically, you know, I'll, Johnson, I know you could probably answer this question better than me, but you know, I'll dumb it down for everybody. You know, you got chips on the board, right. and one of them is failing. Right, and the problem is is determining what is a RAM chip versus a ROM chip and so forth. But every chip has some bunch of numbers on it. Right, and uh, if you go on the internet and you look up those numbers, a lot of times it will tell you if it's a RAM or a ROM, uh, or you know you'll find a replacement. Right, um, he might try HobbyROMs.com. Right, to ask him about it. If somebody that's a little does a little bit more board work and stuff. What do you? What can you say about well, a RAM chip? I mean, obviously this is a RAM chip, so this should be something sure. that's fairly common. I mean, he's something he should be able to get. He want he shouldn't have to get like a custom ROM for it. You got to remember, ROMs usually hold the graphics. RAMs usually hold the logic. And so what he's looking for is whatever is in that RAM two location. He's looking for the replacement chip to that. Now. Sometimes the boards are labeled, Tim. They actually say, like, this is the RAM, you know, RAM yeah. section, and this is the number two one on there. And his manual will help if he can get a manual definitely, for it. Definitely, because that'll definitely... schematic. Right, that'll definitely allow him to tell, like, which one might be that RAM 2 chip. But there should be, on the web somewhere, you should be able to get a manual for it. I don't think that's right. the problem. But like you said, Tim, it's a chip failure, a RAM chip failure, which means there's something logical, you know, yeah. a logic chip that's died. Definitely need to replace it. And like Tim says, the numbers on the chips... Assuming that they're not rubbed right. off by now, will allow you to identify what chip it is. And I think everybody knows that we're not board repair experts. Right. But here's some the the Tim way to test. Sometimes you can, if a chip is failing, a lot of times it'll be very hot. Right. And so sometimes I'll put my fingertips on them, and sometimes you can tell the chips that's that's failed will be really warm. Right. But a, a more advanced tech person would get some tech spray out or some freeze spray and stuff. My finger works pretty good. Right. Well, you also talk about the TTNL cookbook. Uh, You could go down all your RAM chips... And you could check, you know, to make sure that every pin is reading what's supposed to be reading, that the ones that are reading voltage read voltage, because that way you can at least guarantee that there's power getting to those chips. 
you know, that's that's one way to go about it too. You know, just take a multimeter, just read the power, not necessarily the logic right. part portions, but you could always go about reading the power. You know, all you have to do is get the number off the chip, break out the TTL cookbook, find what the pinout is, and then kind of measure it from Always there. use your common sense is that it's made by Rockola, right. which was an American company, so it's going to usually go left to right. right. And so you're looking for chip number two of a bunch of probably static RAMs right. in there. So just a few ideas that you could check. It may be that you just need to send the board off for repair if you're not very skilled at doing that either. Sure. So, Evan, hopefully that answers your question. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of ways that you can go about troubleshooting this. Probably the number one thing you need to do just right off the bat is get you the manual yes. and see if you identify which one RAM 2 is because that's going to help a lot. Hopefully it's a socketed chip, and hopefully it's something that you can just swap out for another one very easily. So, But that would be our first thing. And then, you know, you can always move on to the more advanced troubleshooting after that. But try that first, see if it works out for you, and let us know how it goes from there. Okay, Tim, let's move to Dave. Now, Dave says, I have a centipede cabaret where the right side of the screen, about an inch of gameplay, goes off the screen. That's what he says. Okay. If your score were 98,652, the two would be completely cut off the screen, and half of the five would be obscured on the player two score. Additionally, you can move your player off the screen, as can centipedes, spiders, mushrooms, etc. Help, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Thank you, Dave. So, Tim, we have Dave here, and the right side of the screen is just a little cut off, yeah. is what he's saying. So, it almost sounds like it might be stretched a little bit too long. Right. And that's why he can't see that. So, he probably needs to do an adjustment of some sort. What do you recommend? Yeah, I think it could be, we always want to start simple. Right. I think he needs to watch our video on adjusting monitors, and I think that it could be an adjustment, or he could at least shrink it in. Now, if you've got one side that's kind of really stretching... And the middle still looks pretty good. So you're gonna probably should do a cap kit and all that kind of stuff. You know, either that or he's got the very difficult version to play. Because you know? <laughs> uh, it definitely, I know what he's talking about, and it's very common, Dave, in that centipede type game. Seen a lot of times. We'll have to determine what kind of monitor you have and stuff. But watch our video on adjusting an arcade monitor, and you need to just squeeze it in a little bit. I hope that that can help you with that. I was At least a good say, place to start. Yeah, it might not. It might be an actual guy. He needs to actually move the screen. It might yeah. be a, a size. It might be a size adjustment. It might be, you know, a positional adjustment. But you know, some monitor. I can't remember which one, Tim, but has the little pins where you have to move the pin. Right. The, the little. You have to move this little wire onto the pin to move the screen from left to yeah, right. Yeah, from horizontal to vertical. So, Dave, watch our video, and if you have more questions, really what we need to determine is what kind of monitor that you have. Right. And then we can help you a little bit more if you don't figure it out. Most guys, though, if you'll watch the video, just get in there. Uh, don't be scared. I, I know he says, I, ha- I have no idea. Right. And that's okay. You know, I, I still don't most days. So <laughs> just hang in there and give it a try. Watch our video and then get back with us. Let's see right. if that helps you some. So, Dave, check out our video on adjusting an arcade monitor. Try that. Try everything that we talk about in the video out and then let us know how it goes from there. If you still need additional help, let us know. We'll help you out. Okay, Tim, let's move to Jason. Now, Jason says, not sure if you're familiar with a Williams Tic-Tac-Strike Shuffle Puck Bowler. I was playing the game, and the score displays went out, and when you plug it back in, just the center lights on the back glass and the fluorescent lights located on the bowling pins work. I cannot play the game, as it will not start any ideas. So, Tim, we're not specifically familiar with the Williams Tic-Tac-Strike Bowler, but we have worked on some bowlers. Yeah, and I've played that one before, but it's pretty common. I mean... You think about how many games I work on it for Chuck E. Cheese, though. So right. just what he's describing, 
actually we were working on a slot machine Sunday, Jonathan, the same right. problem. What he's getting, he when he turns it back on, the displays are out. Right. Okay? And it says, uh, now displays are not normally high voltage. Right. Well, they're not AC. Yeah, they're not AC voltage. So, but it sounds, but he's getting some lights, center lights on the back glass and fluorescent lights. What's that telling us? Well, he's getting what we would call general illumination. Yes, yeah. he's getting general illumination. Right. So he needs to find his power supply and check it. It could be in a, f- a fuse blow or uh, his power supply went bad. And right. uh, he needs to watch our videos uh, on checking a power supply. And uh, I'm not quite sure on that one, Jason. So if you want to send us some pictures of the guts of yours or if you're not sure what the power supply is, you'll send us some pictures even though... We haven't worked on one in a long, long time. We'll probably can figure out and point you in the right direction. Yeah, we actually have a lady we do a lot of work for here, Tim. You know, she's got that Chicago coin bowler. Yeah, that's uh, actual. You know, it's electromechanical and yeah. it's a little bit different. You, you work know. on that thing, you get confidence on working on it. Everything <laughs> else kind of goes a lot easier than that. But, but you know, it's had similar problems to that too, where we've had general illumination, mm-hmm. but not necessarily had a blown fuse. Right, blown fuses are very common in those, or like you said, yeah. maybe something in the power supply. Well, here's another. Thing, any kind of game guys that has movable parts right if something and they're made like that to, for protection if something blocks or causes an issue instead of keep on trying and breaking a pin or something a lot of times it'll blow a fuse right and uh, which to protect something so or you know a kid could be holding it hey you you know instead of going up keeping it from going down a lot of times it'll blow a fuse so check your fuses be a great place to start sounds good jason so do that check your fuses then get back with us let us know how it goes from there if you have any more issues with the game okay tim let's move on to peha i guess that's how you say that peha yeah and he says i just bought a showcase cabinet that has monitor issues the screen was really dark which was fixed by watching your youtube video and adjusting the brightness i still think it should be a bit brighter but when i turn it up too much the image disappears and i get horizontal lines across the screen about an inch apart also the biggest problem now is a thick one-third of the screen size black line that scrolls up from bottom to top of the screen during gameplay I am not sure what this might be, and I'm new to monitors. I just bought this use, so it may or may not have had a cap kit, which I am comfortable replacing. Any help you can give me would be great. Thanks for the wonderful site. Yeah. Okay, okay you know, we got Peha here. That's exactly what we're talking about. Right. He, he's done the adjustments. That's why I, w- I was worried about that other screen. You know, when you start seeing that, especially on a showcase cabinet, we've seen that many times. That yeah, right now is time, and I guarantee you, it probably has not had a cap kit on it. Well, another thing is that when I think black line that scrolls up from bottom to the top of the screen during gameplay, I'm thinking about a rolling screen that has more to do with a hold. Yeah, it could and, be. And you see that, so I'm I'm wondering if he adjusted the hold or not, because he says across the screen about an inch apart, um, he's getting the horizontal lines, which means that he's got his brightness probably turned up too much. Yeah, something he recognized that. Yeah, something to remember on that one, though, is that you can turn up the brightness on the flyback and on the chassis, typically. Yes, yeah, so there's usually two brightness knobs. One is on the flyback, and you say, well, where's the flyback? That's that, follow the suction cup <laughs> That's right. down to where it goes, and one of those two knobs 
And to be honest with you, I get confused every time yeah, which one too. is which. <laughs> we just turn one of them. If it gets out of focus, you know that was the focus. The other that's one's right. the, the brightness, right? Exactly right. But I think I think this might be a hold issue, Tim. This, okay. The fact that he says it scrolls, scrolls up, up from, from the bottom, bottom to the top. Oh, I mean, that okay. just seems like a hold issue. I, I'm, I'm reading that again. I see what you mean. Yeah, the thick line is coming up. That's right, and it's scrolling. And so and all scrolling. you need to do is just adjust your hold. Yeah, and probably horizontal hold in this particular case yeah. would, would be what he's looking but for. But if you're having to crank the brightness way up, is probably a good time to yeah. do your cap kit. But I, again, might want to try that brightness on the fly bag too. Yeah. And also try turning down the brightness, turning up the contrast. That's a big one, too. My mental image and your mental image are two different things right now, so sometimes even a picture would help. Right, exactly. So, Peha, hopefully we've given you at least some things to try before going to the cap kit. I mean, if you can adjust this out, obviously you want to try that, but depending on the age of this thing, it probably does need a cap kit. So, I mean, if you feel comfortable with it, why not just go ahead and do it? Yeah. But why not go ahead and do some adjustments first, you know, just to see how it goes from there. Try those things out and then get back to this. Let us know how, how it goes from there. Okay, Tim, let's move to Aaron. And Aaron says, Hi, I have a Golden T2K that worked perfectly, and then one day nothing appeared on the monitor. What could this be? How can I fix it? Thank you, Aaron. And Tim, I think we're going to refer him to the video we were talking about. Right, the plain blind. <laughs> what we need to know, Aaron, is do you still have gameplay? In other words, will it coin up, and can you still play it? Right. Because if you can, then your monitor probably needs some work, and that's exactly what that video is going to show you. If you can not hear gameplay, then, and it's a golden tee, you could have had a bad power supply crash, a blown fuse, you could have a bad hard drive, right, right. rats could have chewed through your wires, <laughs> you know, I don't know, I'm sure Aaron's got a, got in a really nice... The game could have caught fire yeah, and I burned. Mean, yeah, <laughs> zombie apocalypse started, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Really, Aaron, though, we need to know if you can hear, if it's playing blind or not. And I think that last video, we talk about both scenarios. Right. So watch that video, Aaron, and I hope that that helps you. If you have additional questions, though, let it follow up with us. The, the key, I think, to his question, though, is then he says, then one day nothing appeared on the monitor. He didn't say that he didn't hear the game. True. So I'm assuming that he's probably got a playing blind game and that he probably needs to go watch that video and, and figure out what's going on. So again, that's just an assumption, but again, that's Very difficult to play. <laughs> <Yeah>. with... <laughs> As we've talked about before, the special version. Yeah. Right? So. Okay, Aaron, so hopefully it answers your question. Uh, check out our video on troubleshooting games that are playing blind and see if any of those steps can help you out with your repair. Okay, Tim, let's move to Gerson. And he says, hello, I need some help on my Panasonic Cyclops TV. I can't fix the vertical line. I already replaced the vertical IC, but it's no good. Can you share an idea, please? Thank you. So, Tim, not an arcade-related <laughs> question here. Just somebody's got a Panasonic Cyclops TV. You know, that sounds familiar. I think I've probably seen one before. But it's one of those things where, you know, unless I saw it again, I probably wouldn't know, have any idea what it is. But obviously it's something that has a vertical IC. And he's saying that he replaced it, but the TV is still no good. Okay. So he's still getting the vertical line. Now, replacing vertical ICs can get a little tricky sometimes. Yeah, especially on a, a, if it's a big screen yeah. or something like that. One, But we do we have some people at our disposal who are very good at that. I would highly recommend that he give Michael an email. It's t 
tvrepaironline.com. Right. And uh, Michael can probably help him a little bit more. It's always not just the IC. Sometimes there's some capacitors. Just like on a, on a monitor, though, it's not. It's a good question. I know why you included it for our discussion. Right. Because it, if you can fix an arcade monitor, most time, guys, you can fix TVs. Oh, yeah. That's pretty oh, yeah. cool. We've, we've actually fixed our own before. So um, you got some capacitors that are in that area, and I would replace them, too. Yeah, and you know sometimes there's even a chip around there as well, Tim. Depending yes. on, and you might have to replace that as well. But like Tim said, Michael, a lot more knowledgeable about fixing TVs. He has TVs... probably worked on that same. He, you know, we're trying to guess what a Cyclops TV is, and uh, he probably has done that many times. Everybody's going to know what time it is now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So, Gerson, hopefully that answers your question. Like we said, the best thing to do is to get in touch with Michael to help to see if he can help you out a little bit more. But, again, there's some other parts, like Tim mentioned, some other pieces in that vertical section that you might have to replace as well in order to get your TV back up and running. So, again, not our area of expertise. The nice thing about arcade monitors, Tim, is there's only so many models, and they're all built about the same way. Right. So, <laughs> So, but hopefully Gerson can get some help from Michael. He can give him some more pointers here and there that might be able to help him out. So uh, hopefully answers your question, Gerson. Let us know how it goes with your repair. Okay, Tim, let's move to Ken. Now, Ken says, I have an older video machine with one game. When I turn it on, all I get is a horizontal white line across the monitor. That's it. Right. So he's getting the same thing. Yeah. Pretty much. He's got a vertical collapse. Right. But he uh, probably has an older video game. He And we've shot some videos on this before. Right. We've shot so many videos, I'm having a hard time <laughs> well, which one say, are referring back to. DVD but Volume 2 has okay. one on replacing the hot. Okay. So we're checking, I think it's checking and replacing a flyback is on that one. And then checking the horizontal output transistor is also on there. So that's probably the one that you need to get here, Ken, as far as replacing that and getting that white horizontal line fixed across your monitor. But it's just like we were talking about with uh, Gerson before. It, it has to do with that vertical IC. Right. You need to replace that vertical IC. And we give some tips on how to find that on that on that DVD, too. Correct. Where You need to find your vertical IC chip. And replace the caps. If you haven't done a cap kit yet, it wouldn't hurt because you're. A lot of people, when I say that, I know I'm just. They're like, where are those caps? Well, they're in the cap kit. So if you do a cap kit, you're going to get them. Right. You're going to replace them, and uh, sometimes that cures everything. But usually the chip has failed at this point. Sometimes it's mounted on the little heat sink. Right. And all that stuff. We need to know what kind of monitor if you if you're having a hard time finding that. But you need to watch our volume two DVD, and that will help you some. Definitely. So, Ken, hopefully I answered your question. Like we said, need to replace the vertical IC chip on this. Might want to get our Volume 2 DVD since it has a lot of good information about that on there. But uh, check that out and then just give us an update. Let us know how it's going with your repair. Okay, Tim, let's move to Kanye. And Kanye says, I just purchased a 16-in-1 board, and after we rotated the monitor, the image looks curved and the colors are all wrong. When we rotate the monitor back, everything looks right. We were very sure not to squash any wires. Could you please help? So, Tim, I assume that what Kanye's trying to do is he has a horizontally mounted monitor and cabinet. Right. He puts a 16-1 in it, he rotates the monitor, and now the colors are all funky. Right. Okay? So, what happened? Well, we've talked a little bit about this, about degaussing and how right. degauss works. He actually went and turned the poles on it, and uh, he just may just need to degauss it. Okay. And that will help. Now, it may also be that his speakers, where they're mounted in his game, or the type cabinet that he's in, 
may not work that that direction. Right. And so he can't get too close to the speakers like that. So when he mounts it horizontally, maybe he's getting close. I'm just guessing right? because we don't know a lot about it. Uh, again, pictures, 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 you know. But, right. Uh, well, and, and as, a, as a rule, Tim, I tend not to want to do this particular repair. I don't want to convert a horizontal game into a vertical game. Mainly because of the amount the amount of effort it takes to flip the monitor in most cabinets. Now there are some cabinets. With that said, there are some cabinets that are built for that. Right. And we've had them before. We actually had a 25 inch Miss Pac Man. Uh, I don't know if you remember it that we turned yeah. into a Tekken Tag Tournament. Yeah. But that monitor specifically was meant to rotate either way. It's the the way that the cabinet was designed was actually made to rotate. If yours is not meant to rotate, I don't really recommend doing this. Find you a vertical cabinet instead. Like me and Tim have said in yeah. previous podcasts, you can find somebody to trade with. A lot of times they'll right. trade you. It needs a, ver- needs a horizontal cabinet. Correct. The main thing is it just looks funky too. Right. It doesn't. It's not going to look right. It's not going to. And most of the artwork and things that you need aren't going to. Is the bezels and things aren't going to look right. So, kind of, it's one of those why, why, <laughs> why do that? You know, let's keep the horizontal games horizontal, vertical games vertical. Right, and I, I, I think. But the same if you're thing. stubborn, you're going to need to degauss it. Well, and here's the thing, you know, too. now the 138 and one boards are available that have the 138 horizontal games. Okay. Why not do that? Yeah, put the horizontal game in that game. Right. And then wait till you get another one. I mean, they're pretty inexpensive, and then you can turn around and put the 60 and one in a vertical game after you pick another cabinet up. Right, or put the 138 and one in it, play it for a while, and right. when you're ready to sell it, sell it, and get a vertical game that you can put a 60 and one in. I mean, I like I said, I'm just a proponent for keeping games in the orientation that they were in, regardless right. of, if, of if you're trying to change it, up, change it with a different board or whatever the case may be. Obviously, operators always disregard my advice, Tim. You know, <laughs> it mm-hmm. seems like they'll put vertical games in horizontal cabinets change around the monitor and everything like that but anyway but to kanye i mean like you said tim it might just be something where he just needs to do some degaussing maybe he needs to get a degaussing coil or it could be something where he's getting some other interference when he turns the monitor in a vertical direction right. in either case he's going to have to do a little bit of detective work to figure out exactly what's going on what's causing that degauss the degaussing issues with his monitor and all that kind of stuff so kanye we wish you the best with that might want to get you a degaussing coil to see if you can maybe just get that multicolor picture out of there but other than that best thing to do would probably you know probably be like me and tim said maybe trade out for 138 and one yeah (laughs) so good luck with your project here and hopefully you can get all working okay tim let's move to hef and hef says watch your videos and they're helping a lot i have a dedicated berserk and frenzy machines and i love them the frenzy will not boot and i only get two beeps on the self-check sequence looked in the manual and it's said to check q2 transistor and the other parts in this area Found that the Q2 was loose. When I moved it, the middle leg broke. Now I will get a new 2N3904 transistor and replace myself to see if it fixes it. If it doesn't, I will look further at the rest of the components and the 1E and 2E chips. May pull the removable chips and clean also. Thanks. Also, just bought a Miss Pack and I'm going to put a 16-1 board in it with the Lizard Lick adapter. Hope it works as easy as they say it does later. So, Tim, I didn't get any questions from that. It sounds like he tracked down all of his issues. Well, you know, Hef... Is this Hugh Hefner? Hugh Hefner, by the way. I don't know. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, no, I, I really like that he talks about what he did. He went to the manual. Right. 
And it actually told them when you're getting two beeps, a lot of times, you know, even older games, you see stuff flashing. A lot of that's not just in there for looks. It, it helped him. And then he said, yeah, when he looked at it. Now, the fact the leg, leg broke, don't be down on yourself. The fact that it bar- it was already loose, it probably was cracked. Right. So don't feel bad that you broke the leg by moving it. It shouldn't have broke that easy. And so he's going to replace that. Uh, check the chips. Check the chips. Uh, you know, it's not, like I said, not much question, a lot of information there, but to pass that on along, this is what we're talking about, guys. You know, manuals through your game help tremendously. Right. You know, I have games now at, at Chuck E. Cheese I've worked on for three years, and I still drag out the manuals almost every day. I'm like, what, you know, where could it be, or what's this, or, you know, it's, you're not going to know a lot of that stuff. And some manuals are better than the than others. Oh, definitely. You know, I've learned how to fix. I've taken some manuals are so good, I'll use them to fix other games. Sure. Just because it gives you good troubleshooting stuff. Manuals to every game. In fact, you know, I, this we can just kind of bring this up for discussion. I think that if it's a game you're going to keep for a long time, right? You should have a manual to it. I think and so. Too. so uh, have it around and have it there look for. I know you can download if you even want to download them and print it online and you say, "Well, it's always available out there." I would go ahead. You never know when all this stuff's going to be taken down or copyright laws or something. Sure. So put it on a DVD or something and keep it around or a CD so that you can uh, refer back to it later if you need to. Sounds good, Tim. Now, one thing I do want to talk about is he said he just bought a Miss Pack. He's going to put 61 board in it with the Lizard Lake adapter. I don't know if you can get this adapter anymore, but I know that JammaBoards.com sells a very similar adapter, Tim. Okay. And what it does is it's basically an adapter that converts the Miss Pack harness to Jamma. Right. Now, something, now, the cool thing about the JammaBoards.com kit that you buy is that from there on the adapter, it has a place to plug in the switching power supply. Oh, wow. Because here's yeah. the thing you're going to need a switching power supply for this. Right. Okay? You cannot just straight get an adapter that's going to plug up from a mispack to a JAMA adapter and okay. expect it to get the right voltage. Because the thing about mispacks is that we've talked about this in some of the videos, especially the one on. Especially the one on AC doing voltage, class- right? yeah, exactly. On doing classic power supplies, Tim, is that that's AC voltage going to the MISPAC board, and so it converts it on the board. Your sixty and one will not do that, right? It will not. It is expecting DC voltage. If you plug it up without that power supply, good chance you're going to blow something. Yeah. So that's the thing. The Jamboards.com kit that you buy, and Tim, I want to say it's two hundred dollars or something like that comes with the adapter, comes with the switching power supply that plugs into the adapter. The adapter blocks those AC power, that AC power from coming in, and it also maps player one start, player two start as button one, button two. Wow. Also, you don't have to add an extra button. Correct. You can use those as your fire button. Correct. Especially in a cocktail. Or, well, a cocktail wouldn't be so No, this big is deal, mainly for uprights. Uh, uprights. Right. That would really you save wouldn't have you to damage your control would save some time. Correct. And you wouldn't have to damage your control panel. That's the biggest thing. If you mm. want to keep your mispack original, you could. But Jamboards.com does have a plug-and-play adapter kit. And like I said, I think it's around 200 Don't quote me on that. But it's something like that. Okay. That basically you can do it without... Harming your Miss Pac-Man at all. Wow. You can have a 16 And then if you wanted to take it back to Miss Pac, right. it would be pretty easy to do. Correct. You just unplug you unplug Keep the your... adapter, take the switching power supply out, and plug in the Miss Pack, and you're back. And I think that may solve a lot of the, the, the issues even myself would have with somebody taking a good Miss Pack and putting a 61 and destroying it and drilling in the control panel. Correct. This way, uh, you go to sell it later. 
you can sell it as original Miss Pac-Man again. Correct. Or and so, Pac-Man. And so if you're going to do a 16-in-1, I would highly recommend doing the Jamma Board, it, within a Miss Pac-Man anyway, I'd highly recommend doing the JammaBoards.com kit. And I'll go ahead and link to that in the show notes so you guys can see that. But I didn't want to mention that since Hef talked about it here. But it right. didn't sound like Hef had much of a question, like we said, Tim. But he gave some good information for some of our listeners. So all you listeners that are out there, you know, just take these things into account if you've got a Berserk or a Frenzy or anything like that. So, and especially if you have a Miss Pac, don't damage it. Keep it original. If you still put a 16-1 in it, buy the kit from Jamboards.com instead. So, Hef, keep us updated on how it's going with your repairs and let us know if you have any issues. You know, Hefner really does have a pretty big arcade. Does he? I didn't realize that. He, yeah. he probably has a couple of Playboy pins. Yeah, he's got several. <laughs> well, uh, just for... from uh, Classics and, uh, and the new Stern. Well, I'm not going to say how I know that. I'm just saying <laughs> that I, from general knowledge, he does have a pretty I didn't, big arcade. I didn't realize so. you were high rolling like that, Sam. <laughs> you high roller? Well, you know, every once in a while we do trade DVDs for things. <laughs> so, you know, if, uh, you know, if somebody's... Just wants to do a good trade, you know. It usually has to come out on our end, though. (laughs) Okay, Tim, let's move on to Ron. Now, Ron says, please help! Exclamation point. Definitely need some help here. I have a Nintendo vs. Unisystem upright Super Mario game that the monitor doesn't work. The game has been sitting for several years because I don't know what to do with it. The game appears to have power everywhere. The monitor pops and the game is powered up like it wants to come on, but the monitor stays black. I've unhooked the edge connector and got the same results. I found it in the manual. The glass tube on the end of the monitor starts to glow for about one second, then goes out. The game does play blind. Could this be a cap issue or something else? P.S. I don't know anything about these games other than I love to play them and can't afford hundreds of dollars for someone else to fix it. Thanks in advance for any help that you can provide. All right. So, Tim, we have Ron here. He's got a Nintendo versus Unisystem with a Super Mario Brothers game inside of it. And it sounds like it's playing blind. Now, right. more than likely, if it's a Nintendo versus Unisystem game, it's got a Sanyo 20EZ monitor in right. it, right? Just because that seems to be Nintendo's yeah. monitor. And that's not the monitor we use in the video, but it is very similar. And right. uh, the fact that it comes on for a second and he sees the net glow, then, then you know, the fact that it gets any power at all, generally if it's as hot or something, you're dead. Right. You're totally dead. So it seems like it wants to fire up, and then it dies. So, yeah, I think really a cap kit would be a great place, to, and a cheap place to start. It sounds like, you know, Ron's feeling the budget crunch like the rest of us. Right. And, you know, that would be a great place to start because it could just be a filter cap. Correct. Or something that, you know, has a little bit of power enough to, at the start, and then it dies. And kind of like a battery, it's drained. Right. Kind of like when your laptop or something, you know, it'll come on for a second, and then it'll immediately shut back off. Right. So um, I would definitely start with the cap kit. Now. Like it could be a cap issue is what he asked. Yeah, yes. it could be. Now, it could also be something else, though. It could be flyback. Yeah, it could be a flyback going out. But generally, that kind of stuff... We'll, we'll either, you know, they'll start leaking, you'll hear some hissing or something, or when they, or like I said, when the hot stuff goes out, just bam, right. it's out. It's right. dead. Yeah, so and the fact, the that, fact getting, that he's seeing something, right, we're it's kind of like coming on and then it's going down. He's losing his hop. It's kind of draining the power. That's what leads me to that. And if you look at the monitor, where the power comes into the monitor, a lot of times in that section of the monitor is where your issue is going to be. Yes. Correct? So that's yes. where you need to In the look. power supply section of the, monitor. The, of the monitor. But you might as well, while you got it out, because I don't know if we have we ever, we haven't shot a video yet on dealing with a Nintendo. Actually, I have. 
just around the corner. We're at my house in my game room. I've got one to film. I've got a Mario Brothers in there. I've got the Cap Kit in and okay. everything like that. That's another thing Maybe that one both of the- Michael and Stan and pretty much anybody you talk to will tell you is that Cap Kits on Sanyo AZ monitors tend to fix a lot more issues than on other monitors. Yeah. And there's something about the Sanyo AZ, the way it's built, that the capacitors have more of a more of a presence in the circuitry of it, I guess. Okay. I, you know, I don't have to understand all the technical terms just to know that, yeah, it fixes a lot of stuff. <laughs> that's right. So that's good. And uh, another thing is, you know, everybody shies away from that monitor. Yeah. It's really, really not as hard as everybody makes it. Now, one thing that you said, yours is sitting outside the game, right? Or no, is no, it no, in no, the no, game? No, it's in the game. Well, I think when we work on that, we'll probably take it out. Right. Because once it's sitting out, it really doesn't look that hard. Up in the game, it seems really hard to work on. Right. But we can easily take four bolts, set it out, and then we can show everything. And, uh, yeah, we'll make that one of our, our, our next videos to shoot. By the way, we've been talking about Volume 4, the Volume 4 DVD, Tim. Four more videos. All right. If we can shoot four more, then we can have a Volume 4 DVD. So we're looking at shooting one on that. I think we're also going to shoot one on working on a control panel from a physical standpoint, like trying to take a control panel from one game to another and using Bondo to kind of cover up the holes in it. That's one of the planned ones. And then we're going to do two with Michael, and I think we're going to be finished. So that's what we're looking at as far as kind of a map, a game plan. Now, I'm hoping to have those done by Christmas, and I know I'm saying that it's almost August right now. I think we can do that. Hopefully we can have it out for Christmas, so all you guys can get your wives or your significant others to buy them for you for Christmas, but we'll see how it goes from there. But Ron, sorry to get off topic, hopefully that answers your question. Like Tim says, probably need to start here with a cap kit, see how it works for you, and if it doesn't work, might start suspecting some flyback issues as well. So try that out, let us know how it goes with your repair. Okay Tim, let's move to Donnie. And Donnie says, I have a Nintendo Play choice, but the monitor won't come on. I decided to try and do a cap kit as the first step to troubleshoot. However, even after doing so, the monitor still refused to come on. I'm not sure if I'm going down the right track here. I'm no expert in the least, so would it be safe to assume that my flyback is bad? Okay, so Donnie is a little bit further in the process uh-huh. than Ron was earlier, in the, you know, just a second ago. Right. He's actually done the cap kit. And he's still getting no picture. Now, we don't know if Donnie was getting the net glow. Right. Like Ron he, he was said getting his before. is dead, dead. Right. Sounds he's saying like. his dead. Yeah. So he's wondering, could it be his flyback at this point? It could be. More than likely, uh, we're gonna, he needs to watch our newest video because a lot of times, even if it's the flyback, you'll still get something coming on and the flyback will be popping, zipping, arcing. You know, there unless they're you know, but by this time or when he got it, you know, I'd like to know those things. So it could be a flyback, yes. And Bob Roberts sells, you know, generally sells a whole kit, you know, to fix the power. Right. And so it, a good thing to replace and do the hot and all that while you got in there, you know. So ask Bob to sell you a kit or what you need, and I'm sure that that'd be a great... But you already started with a cap kit, so you got you already knows how to take it out and take it apart and everything. Right. He's got it, half the work done. Right. The so rest he, won't be too bad. Right, so he needs to take it out again and basically replace the hot and the flyback and any, any other parts in the power supply section that might be causing some issues, correct? Right. Okay, so Donnie, hopefully it answers your question. Keep us updated on your progress, and hopefully we'll be coming out with a video pretty soon on working on those Sanyo 20 Easy monitors as well. So just keep on lookout for that, but good luck with your repair, and hopefully you can get that monitor working pretty quick. Okay, Tim, let's move to Roxanne. 
Roxanne says, I have a Cherry Master Delight. I'm not sure if the monitor or the board is the problem. I've tried all the adjustments on the monitor, but no luck. The problem is white vertical lines. They look like jail bars on the left side of the screen where the cherry bonus, bell bonus, and bar bonus are located. You can play the machine, but they are very annoying and they make it hard to see numbers and symbols. They have gone away occasionally, but they always come back. Strange thing is that when you take the points off the game, the lines go totally away and it's very clear as it should be. Any suggestions? Thanks in advance. So, Tim, we have Roxanne here who's getting some jail bars on one side of her screen. What's going yeah. on? Well, you know, she gives some, she's very detailed. And, Roxanne, thank you for sending those things because if that was on all the time, right, then we would be saying, let's do a cap kit on it and everything. We would be thinking monitor. Correct. But the fact that sometimes it looks and works good, especially at certain points in the game when there's no points, right? that leads me to think it's her board issue. She has some kind of uh, graphics problem. It could be that if there's socketed chips on there, uh-huh. if she pushed in on all them or cleaned them and popped them out and all that kind of stuff, touch up the solder and things like that. But more likely on a Cherry Master Delight, one of the easiest things is going to be if you really want to determine it's a JAMA, so there you can probably pick one up on eBay. You could get another board and just mm-hmm. pop it in there, Roxanne. Now, with that said, though, I have seen monitors where when you get a white screen, you see certain things in the monitor versus getting like a darker screen. I see what and you're so saying. And so I'm wondering if it might be something to that effect as well, where she only gets it when it's a brighter screen, for instance, and when it's a darker screen. Right. Because I've seen that a lot on monitors, too. In that case, it could be caps that need to be replaced. It right. could be something like that that needs to be replaced. And to be honest with you, that's probably where I would start if I were her, is I would start with the cap kit before I suspected my board. Yeah. I mean, just well, me personally. I can see where you're going with that, too. Another good thing is it's JAMA, so if she had another JAMA board, Correct. if she had another board right. and bought one off of eBay, she could rule out the board right away yep. and, or fix it right, right away. Mm-hmm. And it's always good if she's going to keep the game to have one around anyway, right. especially if she's brave enough to attempt to, to tackle it and try to fix it. won't be the first problem if you keep keep a game very long that's right so roxanne hopefully that gives you at least a couple of suggestions to try to fix your cherry master delight here definitely try you can try the cab kit like tim says try replacing it with a different jamma board and see if it gives you the same symptom that's going to be really telling if, if it gives you the same symptoms with another jamma board then we can pretty much guarantee it's your monitor otherwise it's probably your board so but again try those things let us know how it goes with the repair and let us know if we can do anything else for you okay tim let's move to justin and Justin says, I've got a Galaga, which is going to make me insane. I sent the boards off for service, and they told me there was no problem. I had the 5 volts set too low, but after turning it up, the exact same problem persists. The game boots and acts normal for less than half a minute, then starts to show graphics glitches, and then locks up with RAM errors. I finally thought to test to see how much AC was on the 5 volts DC line on the board, and there was nearly 11 volts... DC. I'm not sure where to go to locate this problem with it. The diode's on the power supply board, he says. Uh, question mark. So Justin's got a Galaga, and it's having some graphics glitches. It'll it'll be okay for a while, acts normal for less than half a minute, and then starts to show these glitches, Tim. Locks up with RAM errors. And he says he checks the, how much AC was on the 5 volts DC line. I think he meant to say how much voltage was on the right. 5 volts DC line. But, you know, he says he's getting 11 on the 5. I can tell you that's wrong right yeah, there. Yeah, that's a little too high. Right. He's probably got original with the linear power supply. Right. And it's probably, he asked about the diodes on it. And that that is 
a possibility, now, but, now, t- uh, but not... Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a Galaga power supply rebuild kit that you can get? Yeah, you can get one from Bob Roberts. He sells... In fact, most old school repair people will tell you don't put a switcher in it. Right. They like those linear power supplies. They're real easy to rebuild. It comes with most of the parts you're going to need. Um, it's probably not a diode. If you're getting really high voltage, that's quite high. That's double. Yes, it is. It's so, you, you know, there's those little things on there. I, I, I'll be as simple as I can. They look kind of like top hats right. and stuff. Those are regulators uh, or voltage regulators and stuff. Sometimes that kit will come with that. So ask email Bob Roberts and ask him for uh, the linear power supply uh, I mean, for the Galaga Power Supply Rebuild Kit. Show him a picture of yours, and uh, he'll hook you up. Sounds good. So, But you definitely got power supply issue, especially if you sent the boards off for testing. They came back okay. Yeah. Don't play anymore. You're going to damage your board, though. That's that what I was of... thinking as well. He needs to definitely lay off playing, you know, playing his board for a while until he can get that power supply fixed. But, Justin, I think that's the biggest thing you need to try here. Like Tim said, linear power supply rebuild kit is what you need to get for Galaga. And if you get that, a lot of people really, really say that that's the trick. It does the trick, if I remember correctly. So. Right. But try that out and let us know how it goes. You can try to replace the diodes. Like Tim said, it doesn't really sound like a diode. It sounds like it's probably a voltage regulator or something that might be giving you the issue there. But, you know, again, you can try it if you want to. But probably the best thing to do, buy the rebuild kit, apply it, and see if it does any better from there. Okay, Tim, let's move to Tiffany. And Tiffany says, I love the game Monster Bash. And I assume that she's talking about the pinball game. The pinball machine. game, yeah. So, I would like to know how to set the coin maker board for more than 10 free credits at a time. It is a family game, and we'd like to have unlimited credits. Thank you for your help. So, Tim, we got Monster Bash here. Is there a free play mode to Monster Bash? Do you know? Yes, uh, there should be. On a newer game like that, I'm sure. Right. I- I'm almost positive, even though I haven't worked on one I mean, anything past 85 or so is going to has a free play. And, you know, um, speaking of Monster Bash, I believe we taped a seminar at the Texas Pinball Festival for George Gomez. Okay. And he was one of the designers on Monster Bash, right. if you guys remember. So if you guys want to see a little bit more on Monster Bash, definitely go check out George Gomez's seminar. He also did Tron and some other... Yeah. He talked about that on the Texas Pinball Festival podcast from this year, if you guys want to go back and listen to that one. But if you want to see a little bit more information about Monster Bash, that's a really yeah, good... Yeah, but really somebody who has a Monster Bash is screaming at us right now going, it's so easy, you just get in there. But Tiffany may not know this. So Tiffany, here's what I want to highly, highly recommend. Get a manual. Yeah, definitely get a manual. When you get a manual for this game, it will simply walk you through how to do that. And what you want to do is... it Now, they may prefer it coin up. Right. But she wants it to do more than 10 credits at a time. Correct. I don't know that that's possible... Here, here's and here's why. If I'm a Chuck E. Cheese and my coin mech messes up, right? It only gives ten free games, right? Instead of stuck switch and them getting ten thousand games, right? So there's a limit sometimes on stuff like that. But you may be able to put it on free play, and you won't have to put any coins in, or that that may help. You know, so it depends. Tiffany, you need to get a manual for sure, and I know that that one's not a very hard one to find. Check eBay or Recreation Games Pinball Group on the RGV um, RGP RGP <laughs> and uh, maybe you can throw in a link to that for Jonathan sounds good so Tiffany the biggest thing is going to be getting the manual for the game though the manual if it has a free play mode will show you now Tim her other options besides doing free play mode are of course that she could just put a credit button on the front of her game as well 
you know, just wire That's up a little true. button that she can hit. And we need to do that. We still haven't done a video on that. Maybe we'll put this on the next okay. one. I don't know. We'll trade There's, one of them we out. we got two of our four already. <laughs> That's, That's right. Play. But anyway, so get the manual. If it doesn't have free play mode, though, you might end up having to put, like, a free credit button or something like that. And like Tim said, some games are built to where they only give somebody credits because they don't want, obviously, like, unlimited credits being given to somebody just because their coin mech screws up. So... Check your manual. See if there's free play mode. Other than that, might need to install the free credit button. Get back to us with what you decide to do and let us know how it goes from there. Okay, Tim, let's move to Sam. Now, Sam said, I just bought a joust and the sound is cutting off when it makes certain sounds. When you run, then try to stop, that squeaking brake sound cuts off. Now I try cleaning the connection lines, but now I lost all the controls. It starts up, looks perfect, and none of the buttons do anything. The RAM and ROM tests say they're all okay. Any suggestions for either problem? Okay, Tim, so we got we got Sam here. He's got a joust. It sounds like a pretty nice joust, in fact. It was working pretty good. But it sounds like he went to clean some of the connections, and he lost all the controls, which makes me think probably a grounding issue, right? Well, yeah. if you go to clean those connections, yeah, it's very easily that a ground wire or another wire could have come loose, or it could be that widget board itself. Right. Uh, which, if you cleaned it with the power on, could uh-huh. cause some issues like that. Right. Uh, so oh, be I know careful what you're talking that. about. Yeah, that little small input board. Yeah, a little small input board back there. They call it the widget board. Okay. And then also you have a soundboard in there. So I would try, though, to turn... Remember, you want 5.1 volts on uh, those chips and stuff in there, so you might need to tweak it just a little bit if possible. For the sound? Yeah, for the sound. Okay. So, Sam, hopefully answers your question. Try tweaking your voltage just a hair to see if you can get that sound to come back. And definitely need to check your grounds and the input board, you know, to see if there's anything good going on there, something that maybe you need to take a look at. But just let us know how it goes with the repair, and if you have any issues, please uh, let us know, and we'll help you out. Okay, Tim, let's move to Bill. And Bill says, Thank you for all the info. I'm in the process of acquiring a punch-out that the owner says will not power on. I would like to go and check it out, but I was wondering what I should look for when I do that. I just want to have an idea of how much it would be to repair. Punch-Out is a game I've always wanted to own, and the guy lives in my own town, so you can imagine how excited I am. I just don't want to end up overpaying if it needs some serious repairs. Thanks in advance, Bill. So, Tim, we get this question a lot from a lot of people where, okay, I found the game, and it's broke, and I I just want to know, can you give me an idea how much it costs? Now, the owner says it won't power on, but the problem is, is that there's various degrees of not powering on. Right. I guess is a nice way to say it. There could be, as we've been talking about in the podcast, something like playing blind, where we have sound coming from the board, but we don't have any picture. There could be just flat not powering on at all. We don't right. even get marquee light. There could be, maybe we get marquee light, maybe we get some AC voltage, but we're not getting anything else. And yeah. It's so hard to tell. Or, or maybe, maybe the monitor's working fine. I've got a nice bright screen and everything, but the board doesn't work, and so yeah. I'm not getting any picture. So it's really hard to tell how much repair is going to cost just from it doesn't power on. Yeah. So that's why we always say treat a down or a non-working game as exactly what it is, non-working. It Correct. could be a fuse. It could be a monitor, board, power supply all together. Right. And cost you more money than the game is worth. Right. So bid accordingly. Correct. Generally, in my general rule, any game that works is worth $100 to me. If it's $100, it's a working game, it's got $100 worth of parts in it, I'll pick it up. Okay. But if it's not working, that's where I drop down that $75 and $50 range. Right. And this is just personally speaking, depending on the title. Right. Now, if it's a Dragon's Lair and it's complete, 
I might would go up higher, but we've seen what has happened when you get a dragon's lair that doesn't work. It can be a multitude of things and end up costing more than a working one. Correct. Now, in Bill's particular case, I mean, what do you want to tell Bill, you know, as far as an idea of how much it could be to repair? Now, let's take into account that maybe the punch-out he's looking at is the dual screen. Maybe they only came in dual screen. I can't remember. But I know that they had the two screen that looked like the Play Choice 10 cabinet. Yes. And that's the one that I remember seeing. So, like, let's say he's saying it doesn't power on. Let's say, worst-case scenario, he needs both his monitors fixed, his board fixed. He needs a new power supply. Yeah. I mean, that's worst-case scenario, right? Yeah. He would need, need all four of those Let's say parts. maybe he needs four or $500 worth of parts. Right. But you can already tell. Bill's getting this game. <laughs> okay? So, uh, because it's this in his own... This could be his, the punch-out he played when he was a kid, man. Exactly. You know in his hometown. That's right. So, guys, just remember, if you overspend, underspend, whatever... It's all relative. It's what you're willing to pay for. That's right. That game may be worth $10 to me and 1000 to you. Right. If it's one of your favorite games, I can just tell you from experience, you know, if it's a fair, at least a fair price, just get it because they're not coming around any more often. That's right. What you have seen, and we know by going to auctions and stuff, you're just not seeing games anymore. Those people that were collecting them are holding on to them just like us. Right. You know, if you want to spend two or three hundred dollars on it, then you're comfortable with that, and that fits your family budget. You know, I would not starve your kids for a month just because you want a game. <laughs> but you know, if it's, I would say, you know, under a couple hundred dollars, and uh, I would, it's worth. It's kind of a risk, right? It's kind of like buying a car that doesn't work. It could be the battery. It could need a whole engine, right? And that's the same way. I always say, treat games like used cars, right? Okay, the car won't start. Well, it could be the battery. It could be the starter. It could be the wiring and need the whole thing need to be rewired. Right. Or it could be a whole engine. Right. So use your common sense. See what you can see. Or it could just be a simple fuse. Right. So, you know, use what you can see. Ask a lot of questions. I always want to know the history. Right. When did it stop playing? Well, we were just playing. We were in the middle of playing and it quit. That's like or, the best thing you can hear. I bought this thing. I broke this home from the junkyard. It never has worked. Right. You know, or after I left it sitting out in the rain for 40 days and 40 nights, <laughs> it finally quit. You know, well, you need to know those types of information. I always like to talk to people I'm buying games from. Where would you get it? When did it work last? What happened? Now, Tim, a lot of times with me, I'm going to go in and I, I'll ask them, hey, can I just take a look at the back real quick? Yes, you definitely want to look inside right. and at least make sure it's complete. Right, because, you know, this thing might not have any boards in it. He might it have could be an Arctic boards. Thunder. It could, yeah. <laughs> and for those of you guys who don't know the Arctic Thunder story, you'll have to go back and listen to previous podcasts <laughs> to hear that because we're not going to re- <laughs> retell the story Thunder. again. You'll have to go back to a previous podcast to listen to it. But it could be Arctic Thunder. It could look... Complete. It could have two tubes in there and no monitor chassis right. for either tube. It could have no board. It could have no power supply. Right. It might be like that, which is why I... I would never buy a game that's not working that I couldn't at least look in. Or if they didn't want me to look in it, that dropped my price considerably. Right. I would treat it as a cabinet at but, that you point. You know, take a flashlight with you. Look in the coin door. Open up the coin door. Right. And from the coin door, a lot of times you can tell if it's got the board, if it's got, you know, a couple of parts in there, if it's got a power supply. You might not be able to tell if it has a monitor chassis from within the coin door, but a lot of times you can at least tell if it's got a board and a power supply in it. Now, I always open up the back if I can. I try to inspect it as much as possible, as much as they'll let me. But here's the deal, Tim. I don't fix it. 
Okay, do not fix it while you're there. Right. Because then all of a sudden they want more money for it. Exactly. And you just fixed it for free. Yeah, you okay? see the wire that's hanging loose. That You see the yeah. fuse that's blown or yeah. whatever it is. You do not say anything about it. <laughs> right. I, it borders on, you don't want to take somebody uh, off from a fair price. I would just say, let's say that you notice it was a fuse and they want $10 for it. Say, so, well, or, or $25. Well, you know, if that's what they want for it, fine. They're comfortable, you're comfortable. Or you might say, hey, I, I know, I, I'm pretty sure I can fix this. Right. And I want it. Not very many people, though, are ever going to come buy a game that's not working. That's right. That's We want to go and find games that aren't working. Correct. You know, I mean, that's what we want to see because we want to get a good deal and uh, fix it ourselves part of the fun. Yeah, the majority of people, though, like you said, Tim, are going to buy an arcade game, when it and when it outlives its usefulness, they're going to get rid of it like they do a pair of cheap tennis shoes. Right. You know, they, they buy the game, they play it for, for as it works. Now, some of those people might get it fixed. Some of those people might try to fix it themselves, but I would think the majority of people are probably just going to say, oh, to heck with it and just sell it. Right. It's an old TV. Right. It went out. Oh, well, I'll get a new one. So here's my tip tip of the day. Go to Craigslist and post that you want to buy broken games. Right. And you'd be surprised at some of the emails you might get. Oh, I got one, you know, and, you know, some people might think they have a gold mine too, but at the same time, uh, broken games go for a lot cheaper than working working games, or they should. That's right. So, Bill, hopefully answers your question. Again, inspect it as much as possible. Like Tim said, make sure that you bid on it like it's a non-working game. And, you know, like he said, make a wise decision. Obviously, don't starve your kids for a month because yeah. you want an arcade game. And just game. because that's one of your favorite games, that's one of the hardest things. Yes. Remember that he's probably not got anybody else looking at it either. And then don't let them do the old sales pitch. Well, I got this one guy and whatever. You know what? If you pass up on it, put the ad out, save up your money, go to auctions. But, you know, when there's one in your hometown, it, right. it gets pretty hard. The biggest, your biggest advantage in being somebody who's coming in to buy a game is the ability to walk away. If you have the ability to walk away from it, then you can get it for cheaper. If you do not have the ability to walk away from it, if you see it and fall in love with it, you're going to be spending a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and like Tim said, to use the car analogy, it's the same way. If you go to a dealership and you know that you want that really nice, slick-looking new Camaro then the salesman's already got you. He's right. got you over the barrel. But, you know, if you're like, well, I'm not so sure I want that. You know, even if you play like that, uh-huh. it makes a lot of difference. So, again, that's just general negotiating 101, Tim. Right. <laughs> but, you know, you want to act kind of disinterested even if you're really interested. Works An- well. You know, another thing, you know, one of my big deals is what do you got to trade him? He's yeah. got something that doesn't work. You might have something that works, like a push mower or sure. something that... His over and his grass is two feet high. Ask him what would he trade. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you can get some good deals like that, too. So, Bill, hopefully at least we've given you some ideas about as far as prices and repair and stuff. Like you said, Tim, I think Bill's probably already bought this game. But uh, yeah. at least we've given him some information that he can go on as far as getting I'll help the next brother along. Let us know how it went, Bill. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, Bill, good luck with fixing your punch out. Hopefully you get it working very soon. Okay, Tim, let's move to Vinny. Now, Vinny says, hey, guys, love the site. I have a police trainer arcade with a PC-style switching power supply. The fuse keeps blowing after I plug in the power supply. This does not occur just when the monitor is plugged in. I've also unplugged the JAMA board from the power supply, and the fuse still blows immediately after turning it on. Is there any way to troubleshoot these, or should I just get a new power supply? Right. Now, Tim, I don't know about you, but it doesn't sound like Vinny is having a problem with his power supply. Well, if I'm understanding what he's saying, and, and this is where we could 
be on two different paths here, Jonathan. So let's go ahead and both. My viewpoint is no matter with everything unplugged, right. his power supply fuse is still blowing. I think he's talking about the fuse on the power supply. Right. Well, he says the fuse keeps blowing after you place the power supply in. This does not occur when just the monitor is plugged in. I also unplugged the jammer board from the power supply, and the fuse still blows immediately. So that makes me think that with the monitor, he says with the monitor just plugged in. I'm not really sure how he's doing that. If he's doing, like, is he plugging the monitor in? Is that coming off that power supply, or is it coming no, from the monitor is coming straight AC. Right. If it's coming straight AC, then it has really nothing to do right. with that. Right. Well, it sounds like to me he's got a bad power supply, and he, ne- and he needs to replace it. Yes, you can troubleshoot them. Yes, uh, if you watch a Randy Farm video, he's like, you know, they're one of the easiest things to rebuild. It's basically you do a cap kit and stuff on your power supply. But as cheap as a power supply is, and the fact that you're getting a new one, right. I would highly recommend that he replaces it. Okay, that sounds good. Now, the only thing I'm worried about, Tim, is that he goes out, buys another power supply, and that one blows the fuse. Well, then that's what I would say. I would take the power supply out of the game. Uh-huh. Or nothing else hooked up to the power supply, and does it blow the fuse? Right. Now, if it blows the fuse, then you know you got a bad power supply. Or the second he plugs his board in, you're still, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm a little bit worried that maybe something is wrong with his board that's draining it. Right. Has he tried unplugging the power supply from everything, as yeah. you said, and have it run? And if it runs like that, then right. it's probably not Check the power supply. Check your voltages right. and everything. But under a load, right. if it's blowing it, so that's where what what we do. This is this is uh, Tim troubleshooting right here. You know, you get your box of fuses, and you start plugging in everything. And remember, uh, a fluorescent light can cause it to blow. Right. Uh, your coin doors, uh, coin lights could be shorting, causing it to blow. You start unplugging everything, and okay, then you go. Okay, I plug in my board. Just your board. Nothing going out of your board. Right. Is it just the board that's causing it to blow? Or when I plug in the control panel, it blows. What? At what point are we blowing this fuse? And maybe that'll that'll help a he's little bit. Seeing, and it sounds like he started that, Tim, but I don't think he's taking it far enough. I right. think that's the key. You need to plug everything. That you can, every plug you see in that game, just about. Right. Because he unplugged the board and he said it was still blowing, but he said when the monitor's just plugged in, it's uh, it's not blowing. But that's not really, like we said, we don't know if that's actually getting power from the power supply or not. I, I think he just needs to unplug everything from the power supply and see if it runs. Yes. If it runs like that, it, you know, it's hard to say that's the power supply per se. He needs to check the voltages at that point too. Definitely needs to check his voltages. Right. So if he's got, if, it, if it runs when it's just plugged in, then he just he needs to check the power supply to see if to see you know if it's getting good voltage at that point. So because like you said, it could be coin door lights, could be fluorescent light that's blowing that, that blowing the fuse in the power supply. We don't know at this point. But like you said, we need to see if it runs by itself. If it runs by itself and the voltages are good, there's a good chance, Tim, that it's probably not the power supply in that case. So, Vinny, hopefully that answers your question. A couple troubleshooting things to try. So try those things out and then let us know how it goes from there. If you do end up getting a new power supply and it works for you, that'd be great too. So just keep us informed. Let us know. Vinny sounds like Brooklyn, like we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. What's up, Vinny? What's up, Vinny? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tim, let's move on to Kane. Kane says, I love your videos, and I've been a subscriber for a year now. That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, we haven't I, lost him by yet. I, I hate to say, you know, it's hard to think that we started this in 2008, and it's 2012 now. Wow. I, it's actually been four years, Tim, and it's just a long time. Anyway, let's go on with Kane's question here. I'm having the same problem with my Sanwa 29E31S 
no green co- color. And I, I think this is a response to the um, video on you know checking the colors on the tube, right. checking if the tube is good or not. He said, I also tried the technique as shown in the video, and when I touched the red and the blue, the colors appeared on the screen, but when I touched the green, nothing happened. Not even a little tick sound like the others. Does this mean that the tube is done, or could there still be hope? Thanks for any info you can give. I'm still new to this, so I'd hate to junk the tube if it isn't gone. By the way, I have adjusted the pots and checked to make sure the video wire with another monitor to rule out everything except for the chests in the tube. Thanks, Kane. So, Tim, he's tried our checking a tube techniques that we and show the in the green video. Isn't and showing. the green isn't showing. Right. That makes me think one of two things. One, the green gun is bad. Right. Or two, the green pin is bad. Right. And in either case, not a good sign. Now, pin, you might be able to repair. It's going to be a little difficult. Yeah, and he could, if he could get it rejuvenated. Remember, going, he probably doesn't have a rejuvenator. Right. But if he can get one. Or get access to one. Remember, an old TV repair shop is going to have them. They might would do it for him or for a, a small fee. Then he definitely should try to get it rejuvenated. could now just that's, be a short in the gun. Right. That's assuming that there's a short in the gun. But if the pin is broken, Tim, and it's broken right at the neck, yeah. I just don't know that there's much that you can do at that no, point. No, probably not. Yeah. So, Maybe time to toss it. Right. So you but might it does sound like he has a, a tube error. Right. does sound like it. it does, yeah. He's done a good job. Following the video advice that Michael gave. So how many questions uh, have we taken, Tim, up to this point? How many questions have we answered over the last four years? And this might be one of the only ones that, that actually has to do where the tube is bad. Right. I mean, that, that's how rare it is to, right. to, to it, show guys. We might have had one clear. or two others. But, I mean, you think about how many questions we, we answer. Several and how many hundred questions. Tube. Yeah. Thousand, yeah, all monitors. Thousand yeah, thousand questions. Thousand Let's questions. Say, all monitors. Uh, yeah, very, very, just a handful were actually probably tube issues. Right, and it sounds like this one might be. And generally, when it's a tube issue, it's more of a brightness and everything that needs, that's why we call it rejuvenating. Right. You rejuvenate, you, you get a whole color going out. Yeah, then we usually looking at your neck, uh, your green, and all that. But he did the right stuff. I mean, that's he did what we showed. Right. Well, another thing is that there's no guarantee a rejuvenation is going to work if there is a short in the gun. There's no guarantee that's going to work. And like we said, if the pin's broke, he's kind of out of luck. So it's really sounding like there's about a 50-50 chance, Tim, he's going to have to jump the tube. Yeah, and I'm not familiar with that, but he says 29, which makes me think 29-inch, so a pretty big one. Right. But, man, I guarantee you, all your arcade uh, operators in your area are going to have tons of tubes around yeah. and old monitors and stuff. So I wouldn't get too despaired about having to get a new tube. But if it is like a 29-inch, that's kind of an odd size, if that is the case. I don't yeah. I don't know if it is. I mean, we're Me either. I'm not sure what a Sandwalk 29 But, I mean, if it's not something that's a 19 or a 25 or a 30, you know, or 31, 32, something, something like that, it's going to be a little bit harder to find that tube if it's not a, you know, just a regular size. 27s are okay. Mm-hmm. They're pretty common, too. But, you know, if it's not a regular size monitor or something in there, you might have a little bit more trouble finding a tube that works for it. But that being said, it shouldn't be too much of a problem because, like you said, arcade operators like us typically have a lot of tubes just kind of lying around. Right. So it's never been a big deal. But, Kane, it does sound like you're having some tube issues here. Tim, like you said, try the rejuvenation. You can try that. But you also might want to check, take the neck board off, see if the pin's broken. Yeah, if the pin's make broken, sure the pin's not broke. you might be out of luck. I mean, that's just might what might be what it comes down to. So, Kane, hopefully answers your question. It's not the Reflows best. Reflows a solder. Yeah, on the neck board. There, on the board, neck yeah. board too. Yeah, you can try that too because it could be a cracked solder joint on the neck board. Maybe that's why mm-hmm. it's not getting the green as well. It definitely could be, but 
Again, 50-50 shot here, Tim. I think his his tube might be bad. So I don't like it. Okay, so Kane, hopefully answers your question. Probably not the news that you wanted to hear, but at least hopefully that will lead you in the right direction to get your game fixed. So keep us updated and let us know how it goes. Okay, Tim, let's go to Tony. And Tony says, I have a Ring King that I've been sitting on for a while. I've tried to power it on but got nothing. I ordered a new half-power supply and it seems the power supply voltage on the new one was a little different. The 12 volt 1 amp is 12 volt 2 amp, and the plus 5 volt 7 amp is plus 5 volt 15 amp. Does this matter? My problem is that when I turn the game on, it kicks on for 5 seconds and blows the 2 amp fuse. Please help, Tony. So, Tim, let's go ahead and answer his first question right off the bat. Does it matter if I have a power supply with higher amperage than my original power supply? Well, in his situation, no. Right. It helps, and actually, he's probably got a better power supply. Correct. But you wouldn't want to go the opposite way. Correct. You, you you don't mind going up in amperage with the same voltage, right. but you don't want to go down. Correct. I don't think it's his power supply. He needs to do what we talked about earlier, get his get his box of fuses and get ready. And every time he, he needs to uh, unplug everything, unplug and then start with just to the board. Right. Nothing else coming off the board to anywhere. Does it blow it then? Well, then you got could have a board issue also. He's to check his voltage, but it sounds like he got a brand new power supply. Right. So it's probably not his power supply. Something is kicking back voltage. Correct. There's a short somewhere. Something is causing that problem, and that's where you get that box of fuses and you just start plugging everything up. Remember, it could be coin light, could be fluorescent light, could be a wire going to something, right? Going to the speakers or something. Cherry switches. It's just crazy. There's a lot of things it could be, but generally you can eliminate and start seeing everything that it does work. Sometimes, you know, I think this we put this in a troubleshooting guide. Sometimes focusing on what is good will help us determine what's bad. You know, if I just plug in the board, does it blow the fuse? Well, no. That means, or it does. Well, then there's our board. If the board is okay, now I'm going to plug in the control panel. Oh, it didn't blow. Right. Okay, now I'm going to plug in the coin door switches. Oh, it blew. Well, then maybe it's something up there. You know, it's just a great way to troubleshoot stuff. Right. So, Tony, you're probably going to have to search to see what's exactly going on. Like Tim says, you're getting some feedback somewhere on that 2-amp, whatever, wherever that 2-amp fuse is going. And so you need to kind of trace it down and see what's going on there to see if you can get around it. Tim... And I should say this, I know it, it, it's it's something that just should be just common sense, but we need to go ahead and mention it. Please don't put a higher amperage fuse in there. Right. Please don't do it. Yeah, use what the manual calls for. There's a reason why there's a 2-amp fuse there. Right. Don't put a 10-amp fuse in there right. and then <laughs> say, oh, the game works. You know, because more than likely you're going to eventually blow something, or it might blow something right off the bat. Or bypass the fuse. That's right, exactly. Don't, oh, wrapping them in foil? Yeah. Bad idea. Right. Bad idea. Oh, no Wrigley's gum, fix the <laughs> you know, It's not the 80s any longer. Chew your gum, throw the wrapper away, don't use it to fix your fuses. That's right. So, and, and Tim, uh, we'll talk about this here in a second. One of the games that I recently picked up did have the foil wrapping issue. So uh-huh. we'll talk about that here in a second. But, Tony, hopefully that answers your question. And just let us know if you have any problems tra- tracing down that fuse. The Arcade Repair Tips Toolbox does not include Reynolds Wrap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that more in a second. Hold on, Tim. And we have our last website question. This is hey. from Jaffel. And he says, I recently purchased a Namco 2-in-1 that had Miss Pac-Man and Galaga in it. Uh, it's a home arcade without a coin mech. When I purchased it, all of the on-screen elements, the ship, the aliens, Miss Pac, ghosts, berries, etc., 
were all the right colors, but the background is a deep red with a thin, bright red lines from top to bottom. I have tried to adjust all the red cutoffs the way you described, but it has still not changed. Any ideas? Do I need to replace the monitor? Is there something else I can do to fix the problem? Thank you for your help. So, Tim, he's getting kind of a red tint to his Miss Pac-Man Galaga combo home right. edition, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, kind of a red tint. So, Tim, what do you think could be causing the red tint? Well, he probably has his drive or transistor is bad. Right. And uh, and so, yeah, he needs to... I don't think a, necessarily a cap kit will fix it, but on his neck board, if he rebuilt his neck board and replaced it... We don't, we're not quite sure which one's the red, right. but it's going to be pretty close to the knob. Well, another thing is that there usually are a couple of caps on some neck boards. Not on right. every neck board, but so that's there why are I said, caps I'd on I'd rebuild that whole neck board. Right, so just replace all the parts, transistors, caps, anything that's on it, put a new one there. Yep. Okay. Well, hopefully Jaffel can do that, and that'll get his game you know, running. He says he tried all the adjustments, so that's the only thing that I can come to the conclusion of as well, Tim, is that he just needs to go ahead and replace all, all that stuff on the neck board. Hopefully that'll fix him up. So, Jaffel, hopefully I answered your question, and good luck getting your Miss Pac-Man Galaga working again. Okay, Tim, let's move on to our YouTube questions. And the first one is from TopJoe76. And they say, Do you know how to determine if my coin mech is broken or can be adjusted? I was hoping to see a video on how to disassemble and replace it. It is a midway galaxian cabinet that is very similar to the pinball style. The coin mechs are made by coin mech. When I push the metal button to let the coin out, the button is really hard to press. How do you fix slash adjust the button for the coin release? Now, Tim, this is something that you're kind of an expert at because you fix a million coin gems a day, right? Something yeah, it like seems that. like it. Um, actually, you know, what he's talking about is the coin reject button. Correct. Okay. So one way that you can spray some silicone lubricant up in there, we usually use a little grease on the other side, right. believe it or not, where it pushes down on the mech. Um, yes, he, it can be adjusted, and that's one thing. He, we did shoot a video on adjusting a coin mech. We did. And he needs to watch that. And I believe uh, it was this coin mech in particular. Actually, we might show this one and the Imanex. If we have not showed the Imanex, and if you've got games that take coins... Please consider putting Imanex mechs in your games. Yeah. They are so jam That's the black plastic ones. Right. I'll tell you a good story at Chuck E. Cheese. We have a Simpsons roll-down game, which kind of looks like a pinball machine away, but it just rolls a coin down. Yeah, it's a token roller. It's a like token a roller, token. like smoking token. Right. And um, we had a guy that's been working with us for a couple of years. That game used to always be jamming, jamming up on us and everything. And to fix it... You have to unlatch a latch, take the top off, pull the glass up, get to it. We had put an Imanex roll-down mech in there, and somebody had literally shoved like a ticket or something up in there, and it had jammed up, and uh, he had no clue. I mean, two years ago, I could ask anybody in the restaurant, even the person at KidCheck, could have probably told you how to take that thing apart because it jammed so often. Right. It had been so long, it had never jammed on him, and he works... Probably one of the guys that gets our most hours. He had never. I had to go there and show him how to take take the game apart to fix it, and it dawned on me. I was like, "Wow, that's a great thing for Imanex." So, right. Also, if it if you're just not sure, you know, I always have them. I got a couple on eBay tonight. If there anybody's well, watching, uh, so I might even link over to your auction. One thing I want to say though, Tim, uh-huh. is that he says he's got a Midway Galaxian. These coin mechs are thirty years old. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's yeah, time. they could be rusty. Right. And everything. If you'll send me a picture of your coin mech, I, I'll I'll just throw this out there for our listeners. If you need a coin mech and you like your games to coin up a quarter or a token, let me know. If I, I we have a whole bunch of them, we do. I'll sell them for like five bucks each. They're sixteen dollars, brand new from Hap. Uh, I'll sell you a used one that's adjusted working. You tell me what you want, a quarter. And if you'll show me a picture, so I'll make sure the feet and everything are lined up, I'll sell them for five bucks each to any of our listeners. Sounds good. So you guys can contact Tim on that one. But Tom, Joe, hopefully that answers your question. Again, we do have a video on adjusting a coin mag that you want to take a look at, but it might just be time to replace it with a, a newer style coin mag that will jam less. And again, me and Tim highly recommend Imanex. So Tom, Joe, Sunday Sticks, hopefully answers your question, and good luck getting your coin mags working. Okay, Tim, let's move to Airthrow. And Airthrow says, Do you guys have any tips for getting new B-pluses on chassises? Places to order and brands to buy avoid. Why don't they include B-plus capacitors on chassis cap kits? Now, Tim, as far as I know, a lot of cap kits, just depending on where you order from, I've seen some that do have those capacitors in the kit with them. Right. So, I mean, it might depend on which cap kits you're ordering as to whether or not you get the ones for the B-plus voltage. And Bob Roberts can help him out with that. Right. One thing that it doesn't include a lot of times is because what throws your B-plus off is problems down the line. Correct. That you can fix. Once you do those, a lot of times your B-plus will be... Think of, and think of a lot of people out there, what is he talking about B-plus? And and I'm not not an expert on this, but think of the B-plus and be where your power supply, you have AC coming in, you actually have a mini power supply on there that'd be like your DC going out. Correct. And so I I know what he's saying, and Bob Roberts can definitely help, help him with those. I would def, that's another thing is to get your cap kits from trusted people, you know, I know people say, well, so-and-so sells them, or I can get them on. If it's a dollar, what's a dollar? If you're helping Bob stay in business, right. and you know he's going to give you all the stuff, and if you specifically ask for that stuff, he can add to it. It's real reasonable, super good. Any, any cross ships. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to, uh, if it's just a dollar on a cap kit, you know, we're not talking about a lot of price difference. Right. So Airthrow, again, probably the best place to, to go to order any kind of capacitors for B-plus or new or whatever you need is going to be the therealbobroberts.net. That's yep. where we always recommend. So, I mean, probably the best place to buy is going to be there. Highly recommended. Always buy from Bob. He's always a good guy. We've recommended him ever since we started this podcast, Tim. We're not going to stop recommending him now. So, <laughs> But Airthrow hopefully answers your question. And again, if you're not getting the B-plus capacitors in your cap kit you might want to look at a different place to buy your cap kits. Or, again, make sure you specifically request those when you order them. So, Okay, Tim, let's go to Tito Mista 3000. Okay. I guess that's his name here. And he says, I just bought my first cab, and I'm enjoying this new hobby of fixing them up. Your vids are super helpful. I do have a problem, with, though, with my cab. It seems like some of the cables are missing to the coin door. They've been cut off, but I really don't know where they would be wired to. Is there a video, by any chance, on how to wire up the coin doors or some tutorial because I can't find one at all? I also have a cable that comes out of the coin box where money goes at the end that is not attached to anything. Thanks. So, Tim, we really don't have a video on cleaning up coin door wiring, even though this is a highly requested thing. Well, the newest video that we shot, we actually run the wires. No, we, we didn't. We talk about it going up there, though, don't we? Right. We talk about wires going to coin well, doors. here's the main thing is he didn't say what game. Right. Where If it's a JAMA game, you go by the JAMA standard, find out what pin... 
Otherwise, what you're going to need is the pinouts to your game. Right. And all you do is trace it back because you only have a, you'll have like the coin switch, which will have a common and another wire. Then you'll have lights. Right. And uh, maybe a meter or something up there. And I but think it's that's really what he, not that difficult. I think that's what he's talking about. That's that's kind of out of the coin door box. I think that's what he's talking about. There, it's probably a coin. Yeah, counter. probably a meter. Yeah, a counter. Yeah, coin counter there. So, but <clears throat> like you said, Tim, to me, it's not rocket science. No, science. but all I have you, to do is find find which which wires I need for the coins, and then wire them up to those. Locations. But we need to know what the game is. He needs to find out the pinouts. Correct. So do a, a Google search for pinouts for your game. You can go to Mike's Arcade or one of those places that have a lot of pinouts. And then you just trace the wires back to what pin on your harness that it connects to your board. If all that sounds Greek to you, then uh, at least watch our JAMA standard. That will at least help determine what we're talking about when we're talking about pinouts. Sounds good, Tim. So or hopefully Tito, Tito missed the 3,000. Hopefully he's listening, and that helps him out a bit. Again, all you have to do is just find the pinouts for your particular harness and then wire up the wires that you need for each individual thing on your coin door. If you do that, you should be able to get it working no problem. So, again, just follow the pinouts, wire it up, you should be good to go. Okay, Tim, let's move to Nest Atari Sega Nerd. Okay. And I, I, I like I, the name, right? I know. I saw this question and I kind of laughed, but I kind of get where he's coming from because maybe he's just like complete noob. He doesn't okay. know exactly what he's doing. But he says, "What?" And this is this is talking about discharging a monitor. What does this do to fix the monitor? Not a thing, <laughs> but it will allow you to get in there to fix stuff without getting shocked. Correct. Here's the thing: discharging really a monitor anything. does not fix it in any way, shape, no. or form. It does not. But what it allows you to do is to safely remove the chassis from the from the arcade monitor, so you can work on it. Right. Okay. Because you don't want the voltage that you get when you hear that pop. You do not want any part of that getting in contact with you. Well, it's kind of like I talk to my game room attendants. Everybody knows. That a wall socket's about 115, 120 volts. Right. You do not want to stick your finger in there. Right. Okay? You might have done it when you were a kid. Right. <laughs> and you learned a lesson and you won't do it again. Right. <laughs> when we're talking about a monitor, we're talking about 10,000 plus volts. Right. Think about that. Think about this, too. When, when in the wintertime, when stack is building up and you scrape your feet and you touch your wife or something, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it pops. That hurts. It does hurt. It hurts. That's you know why? Because that's like three or four thousand volts. But it's very temporarily. Right. It's one quick pop. Imagine the pop that doesn't stop. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a Pringles can. So you know when it's really zapping you, that's what you're getting kind of continuously. So I'm going to trademark that. Okay. That's our new saying, the pop that doesn't <laughs> stop. <laughs> We're talking about, you know, that hurt. You're going you're gonna to hear that as the next podcast intro. The podcast where the pop doesn't, <laughs> doesn't stop. stop. Okay. <laughs> I'm all right with that. So uh, anyway. So to answer his question. It doesn't fix anything, right. but it does allow you to get in there to work and fix on stuff. So Ness, Atari, Sega Nerd, hopefully it answers your question. Again, doesn't fix anything, but allows you to get in there safely to work on the stuff you need to work on. So. We sell a lot of videos. You need to probably buy because you know. But you know what? There is no stupid question, and we're and we're laughing and, and having a good time. Thank you for the question, though, because you know what? I did not know. I always tell people all the time. We I was working with a girl, and she's just like, "I'm so stupid," and I'm like, "No, you're not." I didn't know until I asked, or until somebody told me. A lot of questions I didn't ask because I'd already 
somebody told them I took note. Right. So thank you for your question, and it doesn't fix anything, but it sure makes it a lot easier for you to fix stuff. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Tim, well, let's move on then. And I've got Of The Rose, and this is concerning our installing a Molex connector video. He says, my four-pin Molex connectors are really hard to connect. I've never done this before, so I don't know how it's supposed to feel when they connect. These are four case fans for my power supply and my PC. I pressed them together, but I've never heard the snap, and it takes a lot of force for me to do so. Then it's really hard to take apart. Am I connecting things right? Probably so. Yes. The I mean, you don't want them to. You the tighter they are, the better. And and Tim, you know, better you don't, connection. You don't always hear that snap. No, you don't. You hear it about. I would say, well, probably probably somewhere between you know sixty to seventy percent of the time, I'll hear that. Here's the thing too. Make sure you're using the right size pins. Right. I mean, because you might be using pins that are either bigger or smaller, and it might be pressing down the little snap-in piece. And if it's pressing that snap-in piece down, you might not be getting that click because the little snap-in piece is not it's being pressed down too hard. Another thing that I would say, everybody's got, a, I hope, a toolbox. You know the difference between a metric and a standard. Yes. You actually have uh, amp style or a foreign or European style, and if you try to put, man, you will really have to push in there. If it's being that difficult, and I will say, and, and what we're talking about now is not putting two together. Right. We're talking about when you're pushing the pins down into one side of that connector. Right. I have done this, and I'm going to recommend it. If it's that difficult, take a small drill bit and drill the hole a tiny bit bigger. Because it, you actually got quite a bit of wiggle room. What happens once that metal pin goes through there, it spreads open. Right. And that, then it won't come back out. So if you're having a problem getting it through the hole, your hole is probably made for a different brand. It may not be Molex brand. Remember, we said we say Molex like people say Kleenex. Right. Uh, you probably heard me sneezing and sniffling this whole podcast. I'm grabbing a... Clean, I say a Kleenex over here. It's actually Puff's brand. Right. It's not Kleenex, but we say that Kleenex is actually a brand. Molex is a brand of connector, but there are actually many different kinds, many different tiny millimeters difference in sizes. So sometimes you have to take a little drill bit and drill a little bit bigger, and make it work. Well, that's why it's really good to go to Fry's. Radio Shack, wherever you buy it, you buy the connector and the pins at the same time because they're made for that connection. And another thing is or that Bob of the rows here, if you're not if you're not confident that they're making a good connection, take your multimeter, do your continuity test, put one pin on one side of the connector, put one pin on the other side of the connector, and make sure that's making a connection all the way right. through. Right. It'll either make a beep or you go to zero ohms. Right. You want to make sure that's the best way to check a connection. Put one on one side of the that pin, put one on the other side, and check. Great great point, Jonathan. There you go. So hopefully that answers your question of the rows, and let us know if you have any other issues with your Molex connectors. Of course, Tim, he's doing this on a PC, but, you know, we deal with PCs as well here. So, Okay, Tim, let's move to NAS for Azuad123. I guess that's how you say that. I'm so terrible with these YouTube names, you know, so I try to do my best. But anyway, he says, Can you do a video on how to check for Nintendo voltages? The sound is a problem for me, and I don't know what it's supposed to be or how to check it. There is not that many videos for Nintendo stuff, so please help. Well, the first question is, yes, I think maybe we'll put that on our... We need four more videos. That's right. And we're going to work on a Nintendo monitor, so maybe we'll do a little video on Nintendo voltage and cabinets while we're there. Right. Uh, So that'll be easy, yes. 
But when we're talking about sound for Nintendo games, a lot of those are on the monitor, and usually they're part of the little board that's up there near your monitor, and those need to be rebuilt all the time. That solves a multiple multitude of sound issues with Nintendo games. And there is a rebuild kit that you can buy And Mike's for Arcade sells yeah. that and I would highly recommend that you get that. It's cheap and uh, I would do that little kit rebuild on your uh, soundboard. For na- so NAS for I2ZOD123, that's probably what you need to do is get that kit, the sound rebuild kit for the Nintendo monitors that rebuilds that little board. Hopefully that'll fix your sound issues. Tim, I always wondered why sound was on the monitor for Nintendo games. Just find that to be the the, the oddest thing. And, yeah. You know, it's just one of those things that they did, just like the 100 volts thing, too. Yeah, it's you know? very strange. And, and so some good suggestions there. Let's We'll try to incorporate that. We'll do a little... We might even get three videos out of just Nintendo games or something. Sure. Uh, would be a good, good one and good to have on a DVD, too. Right. Okay, Tim, let's move on to Cajun Godfather. And they say, help, I have a monitor that works fine for about three minutes and then goes crazy, blinks on and off. Please help, what can I do? Well, Not very descriptive here, just no. blinks on and off, so I don't know if there's a, you know, I mean, is it, you know, like what kind of blinking? Is it? Is it like, does the game still look the same? Does it come back to the same point or is like the, it, does it like restart or what? Right, does you know? it um, play blind after that point yeah. and just the monitor go blank? If that happens, then you definitely need to do some work in your monitor. And we're always going to recommend that you start off with a cap kit because it could be a, a filter cap failing. But if your whole game is shutting down, right? then we're looking at the power supply or something of that that nature. So a, a few more descriptions there wouldn't hurt. Or you're going to have to really play very fast and it would, or have somebody keep unplugging your game and stuff or, or your <laughs> monitor. If it's just your monitor, you could have your wife back there and just plug and then you play for three minutes play blind and plug it back in i don't really know just based details 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 help right. a lot but you know it's got nice to know the godfather down in cajun land uh, so uh, i'm from louisiana by the way from north louisiana so we should say that we're both from louisiana right we were, were both born we were both born i was born in louisiana i don't right. know where you were born i was born in new mexico new mexico i was, I was born in hobbs new mexico near Carlsberg caverns so and and not off far off the Mexico border. So I was almost a Mexican. Okay. I was a New Mexican. <laughs> I'm a New Mexican. But uh, I don't want I don't want to get off topic too much. But we're friends in Cajun land. So yeah, so we have friends in Cajun. Land. It's good to know the Godfather down there. That's right. <laughs> so hopefully answers your question. Like Tim says, need a couple more details here. Could be your board. Could be your monitor. Could be your power supply. Could be a couple things. But without the details, really hard to tell. So give some more details, Cajun Godfather, if you can, and we'll hook you up with some more information at that point. Okay, Tim, let's move to D Young 531 And they say, I am currently dealing with a sync issue with a Wells Garner 4600. The screen looks good and the colors are reasonably bright. However, the screen is constantly scrolling. I have adjusted all the holds and I can get to slow down, but I can never get to a point where it isn't rolling. I plan to install a cap kit. What are some possible causes for image scrolling? Boy, you know, I'll be honest. If there's one thing that gets me sometimes is a scrolling image, especially when you can get it almost to nothing. Right. If any of our listeners are, you know, I, 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 we tell people all the time, we're really not experts at this. We just share what we know. Right. And so there may be, maybe talking to somebody like Chad or somebody who really is good at it, even Michael would probably be better. But at the same time, let me tell you what I've done. That it, a cap kit usually does not help it. Right. What uh, touching up 
the solder on the back of where your knobs to to turn up has helped me. Right on the uh, we're pacing the help me out, Jonathan. Pro, polyprolific caps, polypropylene, poly, polypropylene caps. That has helped because a lot of times it, it, it it's that kind of issue. Uh, cap kits though won't hurt. I just don't I haven't seen them fix many scrolling issues unless it's in that area. I'm I'm just gonna be super honest and say I don't know. I've had that, and, and when uh, grounding issue, sometimes running extra grounds up there will help. You know, I'm, scrolling issues really give me a pro- a problem, and right. uh, maybe it's something that we need to discuss with Michael uh, more when we go up there and talk to him. So I would highly recommend you TVRepairOnline.com. Ask Michael. Well, I sent you. Yeah, but I mean, the biggest thing for me, I think, Tim, polypropylene caps could be it, but really, not rare. It's a little more rare than the pot itself. Right, exactly. Goes bad. Pot itself going bad is probably the number one, and replacing the pot or touching up the solder is probably going to be your best bet. Yeah, a lot of times, if you can't get it to adjust, just replace the pot. Or, like we say, I think we shot that in the video. Switch that with a different pot, right, of the same value. Correct. And then, if your brightness. You know, you might not need it to be as picky, but you need that scrolling one to be very precise. So DYoung531 hopefully answers your question. Lee just gives you a couple things to try. If you try those things and you're still having trouble, might want to get in contact with Chad at Arcade Cup or Michael at TV Repair Online. Either one of those guys can help you out. Check out our resources page on ArcadeRepairTips.com for more information. Okay, Tim, let's move to Blue Octoped. And he says, does it matter what the voltage amperage is on the new plug? I am replacing a plug on an organ, and the sticker on the base says it runs off 115 to 120 volts and 0.35 amps. The replacement plug I found is 125 volts and 10 amps. Is it safe to replace the old plug with that one? Well, wow, we've worked on TVs. We're working on an organ. Yeah, but like we talked about earlier in the podcast, Tim, amp- higher amperage is okay. Yes. Lower amperage is what you're going up. About. Good. Going down, bad. I mean, not necessarily bad. It's just that it's not rated to pull. Boy, that's not very much amps, though, 0.35 amps. I was thinking that same thing. So, that's pretty so low. So you're very safe with replacing it with a, a better cord, wouldn't hurt. Right. But it's just not a lot of amps going to it anyway. Right, exactly. But it might have been that he got this organ and didn't have a power cord on it, right? Yeah. I mean, it just happens, you know. So, anyway, Blue Octopede, you know, hopefully cool, that should though, work. We, we're tackling this question because this is one thing I love about working on arcade games. It gives you the confidence to fix other things. Right. And so um, I it's think the, you'll be safe in that. I hate to say it like this, but it's the gateway drug, right? Yeah. It's a, <laughs> right. You start repairing everything. I'll never forget... Um, one of the Atex I had, we were replacing T molded. Right. And that dude went to town, T molded everything, booze, everything, the side of the uh, tech room bench, <laughs> you know, his cart that he rolled around with. I mean, he was just putting T molded everywhere because, you know, he never understood really transition strips at the salad bar. You know, the, a lot of that's T molded. Yeah, it definitely is. So we should do a video on T-Molding. We really haven't shown much on T-Molding, even how to replace T-Molding on Well, there's thing, our fourth so. thing, I guess. <laughs> no, another thing. Right? Yeah. We can always do that. But um, Blue Octopede, hopefully it answers your question. Should be fine to replace it with that 10-amp plug. don't think there's going to be a problem with it. So, Okay, Tim, let's go to Freethinker Pro. And they say, I have a particular issue with a presumably 25-inch monitor on a Star Trek Voyager sit-down game. When starting the game at the beginning of the day, it will look scrambled like an unencoded cable signal. And when I adjust the picture bright in the back to full power I'll correct the screen and I am able to adjust it back down to appropriate levels just so I won't have to babysit my game on location every morning how do I fix this short of a tube replacement 
Now, Tim, this is a very strange issue. So basically, he's saying when the game first comes up, it's all scrambled. Then he'll go back there, he'll turn the brightness knob all the way up, and he'll come back in, and then he'll turn it back to normal, and it'll be fine. Okay. So that's what he's saying. That's very strange. I understand where he's coming from. You, Especially, he said the key words is on location. Right. You do not want a game that you have to go. We always use the, we want to get to the root problem. Right. We always talk about the tech that danced on the skee-ball lane. Right. Skee-ball lane wouldn't come on. The tech would go up, stand up on it. He knew exactly where to step. And and everything, and did this little dance, and he was the only one in the whole restaurant that could do it. So he would go up there, do his dance, and then it would work, and then it would, pretty soon, they'd have to go jump, do his dance. Well, finally, we crawled under, we found a bad wire, and we just, all we did was fix it in about two minutes. No tell how long this dude had been dancing up there, and he might have had some Michael Jackson moves. <laughs> but at the same time, they ended up having to replace the top of the skee-ball lane from people that, him getting up there and dancing on it. That right. was a lot of work. When it was just a wire. So that's what you need to check. I mean, check all your, your wiring and your harness. Generally, I found when you find that scrambled screen, I would turn the voltage up right. on your power supply a little bit more than your monitor. And what may be happening is you're, you're tweaking the power, but you're sucking a little bit more voltage when you're turning the brightness up uh, I, w- I was thinking maybe even checking the sink pins because it could be when he's going to touch the brightness you know it just it basically moves the chassis just enough to bring the sink back in it could be and so and then he turns it down that sink pin is good for the rest of the day or whatever yeah, don't is. forget you're grounded actually you yeah. know so when you're touching stuff that's why you can get shocked right and it will go through <laughs> right you. but I, I wouldn't go to fixing the tube replacement right now right I I would if it come down to it I would definitely rebuild the chassis first right do a cap kit and that kind of stuff but check your power supply I, this is where I'm really leaning in this area and tweak it up just a little bit sounds good so Freethinker Pro hopefully answers your question and like Tim said check the wiring and if you have to rebuild the the chassis or the power supply just depending on what needs to be done and it sounds like it's got to be something in the wiring power supply or something on the chassis that's causing this issue so you know just kind of search around see if you can find something wiring wise probably the first place to check and see if there's anything that looks suspicious and then go from there okay Tim let's move to Lee Dodsey and he says hi there I was wondering if you can help me I have an arcade cabinet that's running MAME I want to take out the PC monitor and put an arcade monitor in but I've been told that I need to put an arcade VGA card in my PC is this true the problem is that my PC does not have a PCI Express port which is what the arcade VGA card uses so Tim this is obviously more of a MAME question so I guess I'll take this one (coughs) you don't necessarily have to use an arcade VGA okay that being said now it's helpful okay because it does convert the the, the scan rate to what your normal arcade monitor uses, which is what makes it so good. The thing about it is, though, is if you buy an arcade monitor that has a VGA port on it, you don't have to use any kind of card with it. Yeah. Okay? If you buy any monitor that's made in the last couple of years... Right, it'll have it. It's just probably going to have a VGA port on it already. Correct. If you're talking about a used monitor back from 10 years ago where we didn't hook up everything computer-wise and everything... Then you're you're not going to have the VGA or it's a standard res monitor. Right. Most everything's going to be a tri res these days. Now here's the thing though too, Tim. Let's say he's got a Geo Seven monitor. 
Okay. okay. There is a board that you can get that's a combination video signal converter amplifier now. Yeah. Okay, that will actually convert the signal. So you plug the VGA into this board, and then there's RGB ground sync on this board that goes to the monitor. Right. And it'll convert the signal and amplify and amplify it for the arcade monitor. That board I'll link to. I think you can get them from... I know you can get them on eBay. I think you can get them from Jamboards.com, but I'll look them up. This is not the same board that you use to put an LCD into an arcade game. Right. Not the same board. It, this does the backwards conversion is what right. it does. It takes it takes a VGA signal and converts it to regular RGB. And have so control RGB sale, said Johnson, and I was telling everybody not long ago, they had that board on sale. I don't know what its normal price is. This would have been a, I mean, we're talking about something that used to be sixty or seventy dollars. Right. They have narrowed it down to what you're talking about. You just got one plug and it converts it and a couple things in there. Right. It was on sale for uh five or six dollars not long ago. Yeah, I haven't seen them that I mean, cheap, but I have that's seen dirt cheap. I've seen them for about thirty and I'll give you a link to one that I know it, you know, the same people who make the R G B to L C D conversion yeah. make make one for the the other way too. Check to, check so. out on HAP controls site okay. when you look that up I, they're they're getting really common well, well the thing about it is is that you're not going to need them much longer if crts no. keep going away you no, know sir. i mean if if you want to put crt arcade monitor in there you're we're not going to need those too much longer because there's not going to be crts around so you should be able to get them pretty cheap i mean i'm you know i'm thinking probably 30 40 dollars but yeah. i'll do some research we'll we'll post it in the show links look for it lee.c and hopefully that'll help you out with your issue okay tim let's move to the coolinator one he says, hello, my name is Frank, and I live in Long Island, New York. You know, Tim, a lot of people haven't told us where they're from tonight. I just yeah. noticed that. Guys, if you're going to send in questions, it's just place. cool to know. Place. I love, we love to know where you're from. So this is Frank. He lives in Long Island, New York. He just purchased a Happy Fish 2 arcade board for an empty arcade cabinet he picked up a few months ago. The problem is that, unbeknownst to me, the Happy Fish 2 board does not have a free play feature, meaning you can't have some kind of credit coin device to start the game. And I do not have that. The empty cab came with a JAMA harness, working CRT, and two six-button joysticks mounted on a modified front. There are no working coin slots. The only thing I have are two white wires and one black wire coming from the JAMA harness. I wrote these two wires together to start a game on the old Street Fighter 2 JAMA board that came with it. This worked well with Street Fighter 2, but does not have any effect on the Happy Fish 2 board. Is there anything I can do before I get taken to the bank by some local arcade repair guy? I like how he says that. He's going to get taken to the bank. You know, what? Some local arcade repair guy is just going to take all his money. Here's the thing about the Happy Fish 2. It is a modified JAMA harness, Tim. A modified JAMA harness. Okay. This means that while the video wiring and some of the other stuff is the same, the coins might not be the same. Okay. okay? Which is why you might be having some trouble coining it up. Well, here's the thing. Coins might be the same. Grounds might not be the same. Right. Because what they do is they cut the grounds off the bottom. Where a lot of JAMAs have like the last four pins of the JAMA harness are ground, the last pin might be ground, but the pin before that might be button six, button five, button four, and on up gotcha. from there. And so it could be that you're trying to touch to that ground that's actually button six now on right. that JAMA harness. What you need to do is there get is the, a manual for the Happy Fish 2. Right. You need to get that manual. You need to look at the harness. Get the and pin you, outs. Right, and you need to see where your ground and your coin one switch are. And then, then when you touch those together, you can do it. Now, instead of having to reach into your cabinet and touch those together all the time, which is kind of ghetto, Tim, why not put a cherry switch there and a button? Right. Just saying. So, But I think, I think that should cover it for you, Coolinator. I mean, here's the thing. These Happy Fish boards, people think, oh, I've got a six-button arcade cabinet, so it must be just plug-and-play. Right. Well, guys, remember the JAMA standard. Kick harnesses. Almost every six-button game that you right. get 
has a kick harness. But these newer boards that are coming out with the emulators on them, Tim, like the Happy Fish boards and some of the other ones, they mm-hmm. don't have the kick harness. They're trying to squeeze all those six buttons into the JAMA harness, which is not technically the standard. And so that's why sometimes you're going to have some issues with some of the pins not being quite correct. And so I think that's the case here with uh, Frank's, is that his, his pinouts on his Street Fighter 2 just don't quite match what the Happy Fish 2 board wants. And so he'll have to probably do a little rewiring to his cabinet to get it working the way he wants. So, unfortunately. Hopefully, Frank, that answers your question. Tim, you got anything to add? No. You're good. We're right on the money on that one. Okay, so hopefully it answers your question. You Like we've talked about earlier in the podcast here, look at your pinouts, look at your harness, and then see where you know where your coin slots are and then coin it up from there. Okay, Tim, let's move to Mr. Silver Ball Mania. And I believe this question was concerning the video that we did at the Hag. John Costa? I believe, I believe that this has to do with John Costa. Okay. Okay, and it says, where did you get that desoldering gun? That's too cool. And I, I think that John Costa had a desoldering gun in his video that he used. Uh-huh. But, I mean, you can get a desoldering gun at Amazon, Fry's. Right. Um, I think even Radio Shack might carry them now. I mean, yeah. You know, but They're pretty common. Right. Now, just do a search for desoldering gun. The, what he had, if I remember, was like the cool one that had the pump and That's electric right. it had and the everything. Pump and everything. Stanley I has that. one, and I, what's that brand? It's like a, I always want to say Haiku. Yeah, Haiku. Haiku, right? Like that. Yeah. And that that is uh, tends to be a real popular one. Uh-huh. And uh, Weller makes one though. They do vary greatly on price from. Kind of cheap to guys. One of my favorite places to shop is MCM Electronics. Right, MCMElectronics.com. They just have some really reasonable prices on that stuff. Definitely. So go to their website and do a search on a desoldering gun. Those, those are handy. Yeah. In fact, probably on my wish list. <laughs> and uh, so Hef, if you're listening, I could use some, uh, <laughs> you could, could use one. So so there you go. You can get you de- now, now Tim. Why would I use a desoldering gun over a soldering iron? Well. What's cool? It both both get the job done, but the desoldering gun just kind of is fast. It's right. really fast, and it does it for you. It kind of it sucks it while while it's heat. It just man, it's just really really quick and uh, speed. Right now, you got to be careful though. Anything that heat that that gets hotter, you have you yeah, might you gotta, burn up a trace. Exactly. So and, always be careful. And but we're but we're in, but we are talking about a price difference. In compared to what you see me use sometimes in the videos, right? Compared to what uh, one of those costs, so a couple hundred dollars difference, right? But I mean, and both get the job done exactly. But it's good to have both because they're both used in different situations. Really do. If you're going to do a lot of repair, I would definitely highly recommend getting one. But desoldering braid works great too. So there you go. Okay, so Mr. Silverball Mania, hopefully answers your question. And again, just you can pretty much pick them up at any electronics store, Radio Shack, Fries, or like. Tim said MCM Electronics, which I'll link to in the show notes. Okay, Tim, let's move to Posse Channel. And they say, first off, I want to say that your videos are great. Keep up the good work. Always good to hear that, Tim. We've heard that a couple times tonight, but we'll we'll say thank you guys for watching. If it wasn't for y'all, we wouldn't have any videos. So, I recently bought my first piece to start this fantastic hobby of collecting on working games. It is an older clean sweep claw machine. Getting into the hobby is easier and less scary with your videos. I'm still running into a problem with the power supply on this machine. When I plug it in, I get lights on the cab to light up, but nothing from the claw. I'd really like to replace the old power supply in this cab and put a new switching power supply in. My real question is, do you guys have any advice, expertise, tips on working on claw machines? Now, so we got the old, the lights are on, but nobody's home. That's right. Well, the claw's not working, right. so we're, we're getting some problems well, with the claw. 
Yeah, I'd really have some great advice and tips. Number one, though, you have to remember, nothing is going to work unless it goes into home position. Correct. He says he's checking his power supply. I assume that that means he's checking the voltage. Now, yes, you do have to have voltage uh, that goes out to your motors and so forth. So you can check voltage going out. There's some fuses down in there. Those type things won't work. And here's the thing, too, is that you might not be able to replace it with a switcher. Because a lot of these cranes use weird AC voltages to, right. instead of using regular DC voltages. And so replacing it with a switching power supply might not be the best thing to do. Well, one of the coolest things, he said the, he said the world, the best word when it comes to crane machines, the word smart. Yes. Because they're still in business. Yeah. And so, you know. Smart I, Industries. I, I, I tell you, smartindustries.com, I think it is. But, you know, one thing I always, and people ask me something about a skee-ball lane. And I'm like, you realize ski ball's still in business. They will field a call and help you and, and sell a lot of replacement parts for really old ski ball lanes. Right. So you might talk to them. They may still have a similar power supply or you can get a one, one off eBay. But if it is, what we got to determine is what kind of voltage, get a manual for it, what kind of voltage. Now, if it is just outputting 12 volts, 5 volts stuff, yeah, you could do it. Uh, just maybe more trouble is worth right. if you can get that same exact power supply. Kind of like the slot machine that we're working on. Yeah, we we have a slot machine that we need to fix, and it does have a power supply issue, but it puts out a negative 12. Right. You just don't see very many arcade power supplies. That was our first thing. We were like, oh, we'll just put a switcher in there. Well, you don't see many switchers that have a negative 12 volts. Well, it wasn't just a negative 12. It was the fact that it also had a positive 24 yeah. on the same yeah, thing. Yeah, positive 24, positive 5, positive so 12, 12, and a negative, negative 12. 12. Right. So we were like, okay. You know, once we got to that point, we decided, and I found a place that rebuilt them for $75. That's probably what we're going to do with that one. Right. So, uh, Posse Channel, hopefully that answers your question. Like Tim says, be very careful about putting, you know, a switching power supply in here. Make sure you check the voltages to see if they match up and everything's okay. But the biggest thing here is going to be, like Tim said, make sure your your claws in the home position. Make sure it's not touching any of those switches that it's not supposed to be touching because right. then it won't move either. There are switches that tell it when it's too far over to the right side, too far back, too far left, all that good stuff. And there's also switches, like Tim said, that tell it that it's in home position. If, and sometimes if those are not hitting correctly, it won't work correctly. So, Again, put your claw in home position. Make sure it's getting voltages and all that good stuff. But like Tim said, too, Smart's still in business. Give them a call. They might be able to help you out as well. Right. So hopefully that answers your question. Good luck getting your claw machine working. Okay, Tim, let's move to Rejected Maniac. And longtime listener, sent us in a lot of mail. I recognize that. That's right. So He says, when I check the voltage of my power supply, my 5 volts is actually 4 volts. But when I turn the knob up, my 5 volts, it also changes my 12 volts up to 14. Is this power supply faulty? Well, it doesn't sound like it's faulty. Uh, remember, we this is a general Tim rule of thumb. Right. If you have the choice, and I've seen this, we've run across this many times, you adjust one, and you get the 12 volts right, and the 5 volts is too low. Right. You get the 5 volts right, the 12 volts is too high. It's like you, you can't get them both right. Given the choice, you want to get the 5 volts spot on. Correct. Now, if the 12 volts was... That 14 is a little high, but it depends on what game it is and what the 12 volts does. Correct. A lot of times the 12 volts is just running lights or something, and it doesn't really affect it. I would adjust the 5 volts. That's your game logic, your RAMs, a lot of that stuff. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jonathan. That's what, you know, is kind of 
the game processing part. Right. Although the 12 volts might help with some of that, but a lot of times 12 volts are running the fans, things like that. Lights and things. So if you have a choice, get the 5 volt spot on. If you do that and your 12 volts is running 14, I would say 14 is pushing the limit, though. Yes, definitely. If it starts getting up there 16 or area like that, let's let's just get a new power supply or rebuild that one. But as long as your gameplay is fine, I, I would say go ahead. I, you might put a fan or something in there just to keep something from overheating. But you're, you're not way out of range. You're at the upper limit, but not out of range yet. Gotcha. So, Rejectomaniac, hopefully I answered your question. Now, like Tim said, though, if you if you continue to have problems with it and the game's not working, it might be worth replacing a power supplier, correct? You know, I mean, if that 12 volts might be important for that particular game, you might need to replace it all together to get the perfect voltages that you need. But 14 should be okay. It's at the upper part of the limit. But, like Tim said, get as close to the 5 as you can. See if the board works. If it doesn't, it might just be time to replace the power supply. Okay, Tim, let's move to Kingstone 02. And they say, hi, I have a question. Could I use my Xbox 360 fight stick as a Player 3 controller for an NBA Jam board? I don't have a cab. I use a super gun connected to the TV. I bought the three-player harness, wired the three buttons, and directional with no ground because I don't know where the ground pin is on the board. What a crazy question. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, here's the deal. Yes, but don't do it. Right. I mean, you can you could use an Xbox 360 fight stick, but if you do it... It will never be useful for a Xbox 360 fight stick again. Right. And you'd have to... You know, um, there's old tutorials that show how to wire, like, old NES controllers to arcade controls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And old Super NES controllers to game controls. Those are the kind of tutorials you need to look at in order to be able to, to wire your fight stick up. Here's the deal you'd want to probably do. is just build you a little square box and then put the controls in that little square box. Right. So, I just build you a little wood box. It's I know. real arcade controls. Correct. You know, I know that shop class, Tim, is not something they seem to teach anymore. Right. But even I can build a small square box out of wood. Right. Okay, so I build a small square box out of wood. I, I use the techniques that we show in installing a push button to drill some button holes for the buttons that I need. I put a joystick in there. I put two buttons in there. And then I wire that harness up to it. Now, you ask where's the ground coming from? Check your JAMA harness. I bet there's a ground coming off that. Yeah. And you might, have to, you might have to tie into there to get it, but you'll have to... You'll have to have a ground coming from somewhere, and it's probably it not coming off that harness. he's got a super gun connected to the TV. Right. I, I, I guess, you know, the, the question that's just thrown in my mind is why, okay? Put the Xbox down, get out, mow some grass, and buy a game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, but I, I understand what he's saying. People like super guns because they don't have this. Like, maybe this guy's in an apartment, doesn't have right. the, the space for a full game. So he's like, I'll play arcade games on my TV. And at least he's doing it the legal way. He's got a right. super gun that he hooks the boards up to so he can play them. I mean, so you can look at it like that. At least it's the legal way to do it. But... Usually, super guns only support two-player controls. They don't support the third control, and that's what he wants to do. I'm with you. I I really wouldn't hack it up. Yeah, I mean, that's it, my personal thing. But you're, you're just creating it. Yeah, like you said, it's possible, but why? And and not maybe not worth the effort. Right. Whereas it's a lot of effort. You could trade the fight stick and probably get a game and the super and, gun and fix it and <laughs> right. and then have a put a sixty and one or something and you know. I, I don't know. We don't want to discourage you too much. 
because like you said, there are videos that show how to hack into a Nintendo controller. Right. Maybe we could link to one of them or something, and, and that would be fun. Right. To, you know, some I, people I, but just I like it, to do stuff. Like I said, instead of even hacking into the controller, though, he'd be better off, like I said, building just a little wood box and then putting all the controls in there and wiring that up. Really. Right. I mean, that would be his better, the better thing. But the problem with this is that there's not a ground on that third player Harness that he's got. There's so not jump, a ground, so he would have to jump around from the main harness. From the main harness, yeah. right? He'd have to jump around from the main harness to get it to work, or from one of his other controls. Right, exactly. Well, here's the thing, though, is that on, usually on super guns, all of the controls are self-contained in those wood boxes. Oh. So, like, he's got a wood box for uh, joystick and six buttons. He's got another one for player two joystick and six buttons, which is cables going to the super gun. And so, what he'll have to do is he'll have to do a little bit of wiring. He'll have to hook the harness up, you open and then up the box, to, and drill a hole in it, and, and then have the ground from it. out. That's, That's what he's going to have to do. So, Kingstone 02 hopefully answers your question. Yeah. Probably not smart to use the Xbox 360 fight stick, but you could definitely build a third a third control panel and then wire it up. So, I mean, it, it, it's definitely possible. But it's like Tim said, buy a game. Right, <laughs> instead of going to all the trolls. Almost, I understand though, man. If you live in an apartment, you might not have the room for a game. This is the best way you can do it. That's cool. But again, it's going to be a little bit of trouble. Going to be a little bit of work, but definitely doable. So, okay, Tim. And now we got our last question of the night. It comes from Chong Celia, seventeen thirty, and it says, "I have an arcade system and it's locked. I lost the keys. How do I unlock it?" Well, uh, you can call a locksmith. Or a friend That's what that, we do. that is. <laughs> yeah, of course we have a friend that loves arcade games that is a locksmith. But more than likely, it's a double way for lock anyway. We did shoot a video on this. I, I want to, about drilling out a lock. Yes. Right? And Well, it's actually on replacing a, a coin lock, or a okay. coin door lock, I think is the name so of it. So look on that video, replacing a coin lock, because I actually show how to drill one out. I want to take it to the next level and say the step drill that you guys are going to be seeing in the upcoming video will work great for that. Yeah. It will cut through a lock, a game lock, like butter. Uh, another way to do it is, depending on where the lock is, if it's a back door or something that uh, you know we have taken a, a, a pry bar or something... And it might uh, damage the cabinet a little bit, though, or even a coin door, and bend it, and then you can always stick it in between where the lock and the door is and literally pry it open, and then you can have to bend it back. Right. But, I mean, they're not super hard to break into. And I, yeah. I, do I like have... how he says, I lost the keys. Yeah, well... I mean, yep. did you lose the keys or did you never have the keys? Right. I mean, you see, like in our particular case, you know, we deal with a lot of games from auctions. Or right. a lot of games from individuals that bought them, and they never got the keys for them. I mean, that, yeah. that was the thing. I mean, they, it's like they never had the key for the front door. Or or maybe they had the key, and they lost it, or whatever sure. it is. So, I mean, a lot of the times, we're trying to get into a game to replace that lock. And that's just, why that video is replacing a coin lock. Yeah, just drill it out, and they're cheap, and just replace it. Exactly. Yeah, so. And what we're talking about drilling, it, if you don't want to go and watch the, watch the video, I mean, we're simple. Take a drill bit and stick it right in the center and start drilling until it unlocks. That's and right. what eventually happens is you'll go through that lock and the cam on the other side will fall. When it does, it'll open up. Correct. So there you go, Chonksilia1730. Hopefully answers your question and good luck getting into that arcade game. And Tim, with her question, that's it. Wow. So we're to our discussion points. Now, I just want to give a couple of updates here. We're going to keep this short and sweet. No updates on the Dragon's Lair. I think it's for a, uh, we're going to have to Retire say goodbye it. and, yeah. and uh, 
try for something else on that game. We appreciate everybody that gave us tips and hints on how to get in contact with USPS and all of the work that all the peop- all of our friends did and all the listeners did to help stand out. But unfortunately, Tim, it seems like all that work was in vain. So I think we're going to have to retire this segment from the podcast. But I did want to let everybody know that no new updates, and I think this is going to be it. So unless something new comes up, we probably won't mention it again. But we still feel for Stan. And if anybody out there has some more Dragon's Lair parts, I think Stan is still looking for some. So um, just get in contact with us, and we'll send you, you his email address for information. So. And Tim, I just wanted to talk briefly of the Texas Pinball Festival since that was our last podcast that we had. And we wow. did that with Joe and we did that with mm-hmm. with uh, Mark. Mark and we just had a good time. And uh, man, I'm still exhausted thinking about it right now because it was so exhausting to be there. But it was so much fun. We got to hear all sorts of great seminars. And you guys can go back and listen to that podcast, though, if you want to hear everything that kind of went down to Texas Pinball Festival. But it was a fun time. We had a good time. Tim, anything specific you want to talk about the Texas Pinball Festival? No, just that the fact that it was always, it's we really have enjoyed where it's been. 15,000 square feet, and uh, it's been there the last few years. No problems with the venue, but next year, that because it's it, always, it did seem a little crowded this year. It is. Uh, a lot of people came. Next year, going from 15,000 to a 45,000 wow. square foot venue wow and uh downtown dallas so anyway uh i think it's the uh, what do they call it the anatole or something yeah, 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 yeah. uh hilton anatole and uh downtown dallas where the mavericks kind of near where the mavericks play and stuff well just think about the opportunities there for a lot more games and they're trying to make it the biggest pinball festival so forty-five thousand square feet uh, game room is going to be really cool. So uh, maybe some book pe- your flight now, right? Yeah, people uh, <laughs> might want to consider that. You know, uh, one thing great is uh, if your wife or your kids are kind of in the hobby, maybe you could plan now, and it'll be. Uh, I know it's going to be around March, April, I, right? I know, I know exactly. It's going to be on March fifteenth as one of the days because that's a very important birthday. <laughs> and it's on somebody's birthday again, my wife's birthday. March 15th, 16th, it's around there that Saturday. Okay. I guarantee, I don't know if the 15th is a Friday or Saturday. You know, we've had Cheryl's birthday before at Pinball Festival. So uh, she said, oh, neat's going to be on my birthday this year. I do know that. So um, maybe a good time for some of you guys to start planning a vacation. We'll be there. Uh, we, we have the, taken questions on the fly at the pinball festival that's right we will we will answer questions on the fly i know you know tim we're still going through backlog that's the problem and we're not doing enough podcasts to catch up unfortunately so hopefully i can get some emails out to some people if you haven't heard your question on the podcast or haven't gotten an answer we're hopefully i get some some emails out just that we've been busy like and we do take yeah like we want to stress thank you everybody for your patience because remember this is a hobby for us too right it's not a life we both have wives and families yeah and uh, other day jobs, yeah, day jobs <laughs> and things that take precedence. But we we do appreciate your patience, and sometimes we're not fast about emailing back. I, I know just to give you an idea, sometimes we get twenty or thirty emails a day. Right, they do pile up, and if you miss four days, you got a hundred to go through. That's right. So. Uh, you know, but that's amazing, Jonathan. I mean, that a hundred people a week would care enough to, or or go through this. We get a lot of traffic on our site. 
Yep. Uh, and we we sell a lot of DVDs and videos. What, and stuff what, we, we, what exactly. we're trying to do now is that if we see a question and we don't have a video on it, we try to shoot a video on the question because right. that seems to be the easier way to respond to a lot of people's questions. I will say that about 60 to 70% of the questions that we get, though, Tim, can Are, easily be answered by either listening to the podcast or... Or watching a video or reading the website. True. Okay. And, and I mean, nothing against you guys, but it just, I mean, obviously there's a lot of times where we refer you to a video or we'll refer you to a site or whatever it is. But, you know, so if you guys want to, before you email us, go through all that material. There is a lot there and see if, see if your answer is there. We throw all that out there because we're yeah. trying to help people with We that, never have know? done an FAQ. And right. uh, it may be about, maybe one of these days we'll get around to it. Right. Or maybe somebody out there, I'll be honest. We've had people that have helped us and said, how can I help? Somebody might want to go through and make an FAQ for us or whatever. Uh, you know, some of our, our videos are done in closed captioning now, thanks to some of our, one of our listeners. That's correct. Uh, we do appreciate the volunteer work sometimes that we get like that. Right. We've been offered business cards, things, other things that people in their area of expertise. So thank you very much. Definitely. And Tim, to wrap up discussion, I do want to just talk about everything that's been going on. I mean, not just not just some games. I've picked up some games, but let's just talk about it in general. I moved into a new house. Right. Okay, so I bought a new house while we've been off the air. I, that's what I've been doing since we've been off. As right. I've been moving, and I've got a game room now. Yeah, so a, there's a dedicated game a dedicated room indoor, <laughs> which you guys will get to see in the upcoming videos, what? which is kind of cool. So you guys will get to see part of my game room. So it's nice, and I've had like cousins and friends over, and they just want to stay out there the entire time. They don't even want to come into the rest of the house. But it's got its own bathroom too. Like the game room has a bathroom. It's got its own entrance from the outside of the house. It's completely cut off from the rest of the house, which is kind of cool too. So if I have parties and stuff, I can kind of isolate all out there. But it's out there. And, you know, obviously, Tim, we've both been busy with just different things. I've got a new job and uh, in this time as well. And so things have been just really busy on both our ends. And Tim has been running around doing projects on arcade stuff and other related issues. And so, you know, it's, finding time sometimes to get together is pretty difficult. But I did, in this time, pick up a couple of games. I picked up two Miss Pac-Mans, one yeah. working, one non-working, and a Galag. Right. Not a Galaga, a Galag bootleg right. in a cabinet that's about to fall apart. And, you know, Tim, I did. I, I actually had a Miss Pac-Man already, and between the three, I was able to get two of them working really good. Right. And I, I still have one that the cabinet's pretty rough on, and that's the one that actually had foil wrapped around the the, <laughs> uh, the fuses like okay. we were talking about. So I haven't done anything with that one. That one's kind of sitting there. But mine was not working, and... Um, and then I bought a working one, and then with the other not working one, I was able to get that one working. So I got two out of the three working, ain't bad. And uh, that other one, I think it's just there's so, it's the cabinet's pretty beat up anyway, and so we're probably gonna end, I'll probably end up doing something with it. But the biggest thing is the Galag Tim. That cabinet's about to fall apart, and I'm really looking for a Galaga. I've been looking for a Galaga for a while, so hopefully I can find a Galaga pretty soon and and trade maybe some of the, maybe my extra Miss Pac Man off or in the Galag for a Galaga or something like that. But Anyway, so I did have some acquisitions, and you might—I I don't know if they're in the—if um, if they're in the videos or not. But if they're not, we'll take some pictures and we'll post them up pretty soon. Cool. And Tim, one thing I should mention is we were not at California Extreme this pa- uh, this past weekend. No. And it, you guys got to remember, California, Texas is a pretty long way, and me and Tim were not. You know, we don't make a lot of money doing arcade repair, unfortunately, so we don't have the money to fly out to California for that. One of these years, we're going to go. Right. You know, Stan has an RV. Maybe we'll make a big <laughs> trip out of it, and, and we'll all go to California Extreme. 
we wanted to be there so bad. I've seen a lot of the videos, a lot of rare video games out there. There were two pinball machines, Tim, that came from a movie that had never been on location before. Wow. And, like, a guy owned them, and they were at California Extreme this year. Pretty cool. And I, I think I posted a link earlier earlier today Wizard showing that. Wizard of Oz was there, too, right? I, I'm not sure. I think it was. Yeah. I think there it was, but not for sure. But there are a lot of rare games there, and it's just a cool show to go to. So one of these years, we're going to make it out there. We're going to meet all of our California fans, because that's one of the things we want to do, too. Yeah. We need to hit the East Coast, the West Coast, for sure, because we're already in kind of central. You know, Texas is kind of central to everything, but we want to hit the East Coast and West Coast fans. So expect us to be at the California Extreme sometime you know, in the upcoming years, if we can ever get around to it. I told it. you I saw the Captain on TV the other day. So Yeah, Captain's Auction Warehouse, yeah, right? Yeah, we saw that on TV, so we'll shout out to him. Yeah, we linked so, to him on our website, for those of you who don't know. So you guys need to check out Captain's uh-huh. Auction Warehouse. Just another place to get great games if you're out in California. So, uh, Speaking of California, right, Tim? So, right. But hopefully one of these times we'll make it out there. So, Tim, I only do have one announcement, is, and it's that there's an American Amusement Auction coming up on August 11th at the Mesquite Rodeo Center in Mesquite, Texas. And so, again, these are our friends, David and Sean. They always do an outstanding job with all the stuff for American Amusement Auctions. If you guys are looking to pick up games, this is how you pick up games. You go to auctions, you check Craigslist, things like that. But auctions are a great place to pick up games. They're going to do the preview from 8 to 10 like they always do. Auctions going to start at 10, and for more information, you guys can go to AmericanAmusementAuctions.com. I know one thing that they're stressing is they're going to group games better, like all the Redemption in one area, all the pinballs in one area, and all the classic video games in an area, all the shooters in an area, something something to that effect, and they were, they were saying that they were really going to work hard on trying to get certain games in a certain area so that you didn't have to wait or if you knew you were going to have to wait, you could go eat or whatever and come back and right. still catch your options. Right. So, again, American Amusement Auctions coming up on August 11th. Be there. Buy some games. Have a good time. You know, Tim, sometimes I just go. I don't buy a game. I just go to talk to my friends. Right. I just go to hang out for a day and talk yep. arcades with people. A lot of shop talk goes on at That's those right. things. So if you just want to go hang out with some guys that enjoy the hobby just as much as you do, Auction is a great place to meet some connections as well. So, and it, But, again, you know, you can be hanging around get something for cheap. We've told our auction stories. We were at the first American Amusement Auction. We were, we were telling people how cheap things were going. Guys, if you want in on those deals, you got to go. you got to right. go. got to be there. So, again, AmericanAmusementAuctions.com. And, Tim, let's talk about our contact information real quick. Of course, you know that you can email us at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. That's the, the way we get the majority of our questions. Now, like Tim said, huge backlog right now. I mean, you right. know... We're not getting around to answering a lot of questions right now just because, you know, we've been busy and everything like we mentioned. But we're trying to continue to answer as many as we can. So That's why we kind of encourage people to go to the Facebook page because we're not the only people that answer questions in there. Thank goodness I don't even have time to go in there most, most days. But I noticed that several of the guys and other people who have experienced it or, or piping in and answering a lot of questions, and we thank you guys. Definitely. I mean, it's always helpful to have guys. You know, here's the thing, because just because you don't know everything about arcade repair, you might know the, the one, one thing, thing that right. that guy's looking for, you know, as far as an answer is concerned. So that's a big a big deal. And I, I tell you what, Tim, we need to give big props to all those people, but especially Arthur Peel. Yeah. Arthur, if you're listening, thank you so much for all of the work that you do. Because he answers a vast majority of questions on our Facebook page, and he has his own business too, Tim. High Score Arcade Game Repair at HighScoreRepair.com. So that's Arthur's website, guys. And if you guys need monitor repair, he does he does an outstanding job on monitors. 
But um, guys, go to highscorerepair.com. But he has been super helpful for answering questions on our Facebook page. And I feel like, Tim, we at least owe him giving him a shout-out on the podcast. So He knows a lot, a lot of, uh, probably more than I do about stuff. So I appreciate not only sharing, sharing that expertise, too. Right, exactly. Again, highscorerepair.com. Talk to Arthur. He can get you set up if you're, if you're not doing your repairs yourself. Might be a good way to go about it. Get him to repair for you. So again, though, email questions at arcaderepairtips.com. We also have our voicemail line. And Tim, we're going to get around to a voicemail podcast. It's just going to be a while because, man, i got a ton of them to sift through. But if you want to leave a voicemail, it's 972, the number 8, AR Tips is an Arcade Repair Tips, or 972-827-8477. So give us a call there. Leave us a message. Tim, maybe one of these nights we'll open up the line and let people actually talk to us directly. Like we'll sure. have people call in from a certain time to a certain time. I'm still kind of toying with that. So if we ever get around to it, we'll, uh, we'll let you guys know. Stay tuned to Twitter and Facebook to get in touch with that. Let's go ahead. Before we talk about social media, though, let's talk about our multimedia websites. You guys can get the podcast from iTunes by going to itunes.arcaderepairtips.com. We'd also appreciate it if you go on there and review us. And, Tim, we've actually had quite a few reviews since the last time we've been on the podcast. A lot of people telling us we need to come back and do another one. So, guys, (laughs) this is for you. But if you guys are still listening to the podcast after all this time, give us a review on iTunes. Again, that's itunes.arcaderepairtips.com. And, Tim, we mentioned last time, but we didn't have the the web address for it, that we're on the Zoom Marketplace 2. And you can now get our podcast on Zoom at zoom.arcaderepairtips.com. You can go on there and it'll take you to the Zoom Marketplace page where you can download it for your Windows phone device if you guys have one of those. So again, zoom.arcaderepairtips.com. We're also on Stitcher Radio and you guys can get you guys can find us on Stitcher Radio at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com. And we also have our YouTube page that has all of our great videos on it that you guys thoroughly enjoy from what we hear out here on the podcast. But you guys can check out our YouTube page by going to youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. And Tim, again, we have our social media sites. That's where you can keep up with all the news and happenings that's going on with Arcade Repair Tips. We have our Twitter page, and you can get to that by going to Twitter at arcaderepairtips.com. And we also have our Facebook page, which Mark Nellis does a good job keeping up to date. Uh, you know, Tim, Mark's been a little bit busier lately, I've noticed. Right. Hasn't been posting as much. Just but like we all us. try Everybody to Exactly. We all try to we've all been trying to chip in a little bit here and there to keep that running. But again, if you guys want to get to the Facebook page, it's Facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. So Tim, anything before we sign off here with episode thirty? Oh, episode thirty, wow, is that a milestone or something? It's I like think it the... is. You know, we always like to say it's thirty more than we planned on doing. Right. So, <laughs> so, you know, you know, we've made it this far. I don't know if we're gonna con- yeah, you know, we're gonna con- we are obviously gonna continue, but obviously there's no regularity to our podcast. Everybody already knows that. And you know, we always take these long summer breaks for sure. But hopefully we can get back into the swing of things. You guys will hear a lot more podcasts real soon. But again, Tim, sorry to interrupt you. Anything you have to close on? No, I just thank everybody for their patience and understanding, and uh, we'll uh, keep trying to do as long as we can anyway. And so, uh, As long as we're kicking, there's eventually going to be a new podcast, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, guys, again, we want to thank you guys for listening. It's you guys that make the show. It's the only reason we do it is because we have guys like, like you that listen to the show. We thank you so much for that. And, guys, again, if you guys want to support us, go to the website, buy our DVDs, uh, or get your friends to buy the DVDs, giveaways, gifts, whatever the case may be. Look for Volume 4 really soon and a couple new videos coming at you in the near future. And, Tim, here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you, you play, play the, the game. game. Take care, everybody.
Thank you for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. All of our episodes are available for download at ArcadeRepairTips.com or at the iTunes Music Store under Podcasts. This podcast is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.